from Wichita, Kansas. It's Black Ooze presents with Art Brute Film. Just say welcome to Black Goose Presents from lovely Wichita, Kansas. I'm your co-host Wade Hampton, and I'm your other co-host Ryan Johnson. Uh, can I tell the story of how we got here? Oh, please do. Um, last episode was the Return of the Living Dead, and Ryan had asked, "Is there another prominent horror film that took place on July 4th?" And I think we were close to a blank i mean you come up with something but nothing prominent yeah it wasn't until a couple days later that we kind of reflected upon the uh listening to the podcast that was two hours and 45 minutes long and i went "Uh, duh july 4th jaws only takes place at one point prominently on july 4th so we started discussing the idea of doing jaws and then ryan told me uh, I had to kind of uh, come out with it. I am a huge horror fan, obviously. I've seen a lot of horror films. This movie is heralded as like one of the greats, and I've never seen it. Which I've never me, seen Jaws. Which made me very, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I did the typical, you haven't seen Jaws. Did it make you sad? I, did it make you sad? Instantly, I went to how excited I was because... This is exciting because we have not discussed what you think of it till this very second. So I don't know. So is there anything else we need to get into other than what'd you think? Uh, I mean, it was all right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we joked that you're going to say that you're going to go, meh, I don't get it. I mean, I mean, it was okay. So, I mean, uh, before we get started, I mean, every single like filmmaker you watch, especially like horror filmmakers and stuff, but I mean, most filmmakers, you, you hear, uh, what are your influences? What are, uh, what are the movies that made you want to make movies? And, uh, people like Rob Zombie and, and people like that. I mean, it's Jaws. I mean, it's, it's, I know it's Robert Rodriguez's favorite film. It's Peter Jackson's favorite film. And I know it's Steven Soderbergh's favorite film. Well, see, I mean, and those guys are, they're doing something right. They're doing something right film wise. Yes. So, I mean, we'll clearly get into it throughout this episode, but I mean, I mean, what, what isn't there to like? I mean, it's, it's Spielberg doing Spielberg. You got John Williams scoring the thing. You've got the three incredibly different and, and likable characters in the in the uh parts of hooper and quint and brody and the town is beautiful the the like the fuzz on it 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 looked like a hitchcock film half the time i mean i I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but overall yeah i mean i i just loved it and and there's something to be said about the amount of suspense that uh is in this film and these moments that you realize you're just kind of like holding your breath the whole time. It was oh, great. I, want, I do want it good. I'm glad to hear you say that because I would have been heartbroken if it didn't hold up for you. <laughs> I mean, if you went, yeah, maybe in the, yeah. I just want to say this off the top is watching the making of, and maybe you've seen one of these, but you already know this and most people probably do, but it's funny that you said it looked like such a Hitchcock film because obviously it goes without saying, but when the shark was not working, which was 90% of the time, Saw an interview with Spielberg and he said, well, how would Hitchcock do it? 
how would Hitchcock do it? You know, because obviously oh. we can't show the shark. So I just have to think, how would Hitchcock approach this whole film if he couldn't show the damn shark? And that's when he started thinking about the, and I think the cinematographer said they, that he went to him and said, I want to be able to see underwater on top of water at the same time. So they built a tank or thing to wrap around the camera that had, you know, clear on the front so they could submerge the camera, you know, half underwater and half out and get those <laughs> shots so you could see yeah. like, the feet and the people. And, uh, but I never really thought about the actual production design of, um, what's the town? Why am I drawing a blank? Amity. Amity. Yeah. Cause I kept wanting to say Amityville horror. Amity. Um, it was a real Amity horror. But it was, uh, it does kind of look like the birds. You know, if you watch a yeah. film like that, the birds, is, it feels exactly kind of like it's straight out of a Hitchcock film. But I agree with you that off the top, I forget just, well, I hadn't forgotten, but just being reminded, I hadn't watched it in a while. And I watched it a couple of days ago. I was like, it's just so pretty. Every oh, yeah. frame of painting. I mean, the way Spielberg frames shots and moves the camera. And I will say right off the top, one of my favorite shots is, when she's running to go into the water in the opening and that drunk guy's chasing after her and they're going along that fence, just mm -hmm. how they're following that fence all the way down. It's just, he's really good at having things in the foreground and the background. It just, everything's beautiful. It's not like he's just pointing. He's never just pointing a camera, you know, oh. Spielberg always knows where people are in the frame and why they're in that frame. And this, I think this movie, why it's so influential to filmmakers is, you can really feel that a master filmmaker is at the helm. Hell, it was only his third feature. And a lot of people considered it his second because I think The Duel was made for television and Sugarland Express was the first one that came out in the theaters and it bombed. So it was a real gamble to bring this 27-year-old on to take on the, the number one book in the country at yeah. the time, Peter Benchley's Jaws, and they're like, hand it to this kid. Yeah, he um he actually uh, I saw in the making of that he he said that this is great. Duel has four letters. Jaws has four yeah. letters. This is perfect. <laughs> and he said it's uh he it was like it's basically a sequel to Duel. Yeah. It's the same idea. It's just this thing that's just stalking a man bank. versus monster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um and I've actually never seen Duel. Duel's uh, great. Yeah, it holds up. You can tell it's why he should have made Jaws because. It's just a rusty old semi and you don't see the driver and it's terrifying. Oh, man. It, and it just stalks this guy forever. I like the story of how they had the original director read the script, came in and kept talking about how he was going to shoot the whale and what they could do with the whale. And Peter Benchley was like, it's a shark. And then he kept saying the whale, the whale. And the producer's like, you mean the shark? And he's like, anyway, so with this whale, when he left, they're like, we're not going to use a guy who can't nope. tell the difference between a whale and a shark. You're out of yeah. here, brother. <laughs> he kept, they, I think they kept saying, he thinks this is Moby Dick. That's what he keeps thinking in his head. Like, oh, oh this is just Moby Dick. It's like, uh, a little different. Anyway. Oh God. <laughs> uh, starting at the beginning, it goes without saying that, did your camera fuck up? Oh, no. I took a picture of myself. I was trying oh, to keep it alive. Oh, oh. I said, don't, don't even, don't, don't even, I'm even not acknowledging that even happened. We're moving forward. Uh, obviously the title is the most important thing is John Williams score, which I can't imagine there's a more. It's funny because if you try to argue more iconic music, they're all John Williams. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. Maybe an Indiana Jones theme. Well, that's pretty, well, or Star Wars. 
or you know you keep going and they're all fucking john williams he's like oh. done everything you know what's funny is i had never seen this film but i found that vinyl in the wild jaws and i was like well john williams i mean anything that's john williams sure sure it's just like i'm buying it and so i mean i own the score i've listened to it a number of times it's amazing yeah and it's all the more amazing when you get into this film i wrote on numerous occasions uh in my notes that it's really interesting again you know and i want to and i want to kind of have this conversation throughout this thing because we do talk about horror movies and that is the whole idea of this podcast and when jaws first came up i was like well i mean that's clearly one of the greatest horror movies of all time and even you said well i mean is it i mean it is but is it it's a monster movie i think and you know so i want to have that discussion about like is this horror and what makes it horror and um spielberg said it was a thriller Right, right, right. He, said, but, he even said it's not a horror, but I've but what seen, I no- go ahead. Sorry, but what I notice is um, in the score, you know, obviously you've got the the what is it the echoic theme of uh, you know that Jaws theme that dun 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 and everyone remembers that, and that is that'll just kind of that makes you uneasy already. But so much of the score is like John Williams doing like adventure it almost sounds like the goonies or something you know i mean there's times when the shark at the end i mean i'm not the shark at the end but when they're in the ocean i never noticed this before but it's borderline joyful oh absolutely they're just out there like on an adventure they're going and the music's like and i'm kind of going god i forget that you know which is perfect because then when the yeah We'll get into this, but I'm just going to point out one thing. It's kind of like the best scene in the whole thing, which is the, uh, when he tells the story of the USS Indianapolis. Incredible. And afterwards the two, whatever you call them, what are they called? The barrels pop up and they come towards it. Next thing you know, bam, it's like, it's back on. Okay. Wake (laughs) up people. This movie's back on, but his score, I forget even after the darkest stuff when they're, going i mean the boat's moving it's back to like you said the goonies which he probably did too now they would think about it i meant to look it up and then i ran out of time um this is this is you know you come here for all the facts people and uh this (laughs) is i got facts facts. um i yeah it it was i think in most other movies i would be like i don't know upset or off put by a soundtrack or like a score moment like that being so different from from what's happening but it it works they're all kind of going crazy and they're all kind of just like on this mission to catch this thing and it's they're the ones in pursuit at this point they're not and maybe that's what it is maybe when they're in control or in pursuit you know, or after the thing, then that's when they're on an adventure. But when the reality comes in that they're going to be possibly eaten by this shark or drown to death or, or, um, then the music changes and you get ominous and you get like, just scary. He did do Goonies. 
that checks out. No, it says writer theme from Superman uncredited. Maybe mm. he didn't. Sorry, ignore me. It's Keep okay. going. It's okay. Oh, you're right. That was all I really had to say about it. Uh, so you got what in the credits? What John Williams? What else stood out there? Who's Bill Butler? Has he done anything else? No, nope. he's the DP. Oh yeah, no, I don't know. I'd have to look that up too. I thought this, this is all the work I was going to do before, but I watched the movie well, again instead. It's funny because I thought the same thing when I saw him. I was like, "Well, this is kind of huge. What the heck did this guy go on to freaking do?" And we're going to find out. Oh, cinematographer Bill Butler. Deep. Shit, he did one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> okay, Wait all right. A second, he did one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I thought that was the movie it lost the Academy Award to. Maybe it was a really busy year for him. God, I guess. Jesus (laughs) Christ, I never thought of that. That's probably... Cinematographer on Greece. Was he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's huge. That was big. Capricorn 1, that was big when I was a kid. I never saw it. I still haven't seen it, but... So, I mean, definitely shot the hell out of this film. It's gorgeous. Maybe he didn't do what I just said. Ignore me. Google at your peril. I will not. I will not ignore you. I'm right here with <laughs> you for this ride. You up. But uh, um, yeah, I think opening on this film, obviously the music goes without saying. We've talked enough about that. But I think just going, I remember when I finally got to see it. I got to tell this story before we really jump in. I was born, that movie would have been 75. I was eight when that movie came out. And as most movies of that time, two reasons I didn't get to go see it. One, I was too young or we didn't have the money. And my folks were always like, can't afford it. So I was like, fine. Well, my older siblings would go to stuff because they could pay for it themselves. So a lot of my movies as a child were me wanting to hear everything from my siblings when they would come back. You know, they would tell me. Oh, you and my sister like Tracy play play. told me as much as I think she wanted to tell me. She told me about Jaws and I was terrified. I was so terrified that I was scared of taking a bath as a kid. It was like all water scared me because she would talk about water and how they'd come up and this kid was just floating and then it, it bites him and blood sprays everywhere. And as an eight-year-old, I was just like, oh my God, it was just the most terrifying thing. So when I finally, finally got to see it, I'm going to jump forward because I think this will come back to it. I, as an 11-year-old, it's one of my best memories because this never happened of going with my whole family at 11, I got to see Jaws 2 with my family because oh, okay. my oldest brother was in town with his wife and my dad wanted to take us all out. And I just remember, I can vividly remember staring at that screen. One, being 11 and getting to see Jaws 2, but also getting to see a, kind of a scary movie and with my family. It was like the greatest thing ever. But even in that, because the music's in that, I just remember when I finally got to see Jaws, just going through all that kelp and seaweed was terrifying right off the bat because you know there's a shark out there somewhere and i just remember thinking in that opening shot well there's gonna be a shark you know just every second was there's gonna be a shark there's gonna be a shark you know just it scared the crap out of me because you already know you know something and it never comes out because they probably learn very quickly as we talked about is that they're like this is a bad idea to try to keep showing this rubber shark because as we both know from researching it that was their biggest fear is their opening night everybody's gonna go and laugh at the big goofy shark which thank god they didn't but no i think it goes straight into the beach scene yeah 
Yeah, right out of the gate. Uh, was this a bunch of like, I don't know, teenage college kids, like just yeah, hanging out around a fire? Probably, drinking? Yeah. And uh, beautiful Spielberg right off the bat. You just want to be there. You're like, isn't that look like the most idyllic thing? And when she goes running off, and like we said, that tracking shot with the fence and the yeah, sky. That- that fence is just like a real roller coaster ride too. Cause it's yeah. like, it's not a f- straight fence. It's up, no. it's down. It's woo, 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 woo. And uh, yeah. this guy is so drunk. He's cracking me up. He's uh, I'm not drunk. <laughs> then he lays back on the ground and then she goes out naked into the dark waters, which is to this day still might be the most terrifying thing. I would, I'm, I don't like water too much. No, I sure as hell don't like ocean. So dark water, dark water is probably scarier than that shark to me. Like, like the idea of the fuck's down there. (sighs) That's what really messed me up most about this film is yeah, it's 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 I don't know. I got a real fear of water. I have ever since I was a kid. I probably watched too many Friday the 13th movies or something. I don't know. But lakes and stuff, I mean, the ocean especially, but I've, I've only been to the ocean a couple of times and it was definitely not at night. But um, yeah, it's, I just, a little piece of seaweed touches your foot and you just lose your shit, you know? <laughs> well, I remember being, uh, um, I went body surfing uh, outside, uh, God, what is that city? doesn't matter. It's on the coast of Texas, Galveston Beach. And I thought, Oscar, oh, let's go. The water was disgusting. I mean, it was like dark brown. But I remember being out there up to about my armpits and something very big and slimy just going right up against my leg. <laughs> and uh, we stayed out there. I don't know how, but it was just, what was that? And, of course, that you know, they say it in that movie. You know, most shark attacks happen in like three or four feet of water anyway. So it's not like, oh, I'm barely out here to my waist. I'll be fine. It's like, no, they well, they come up and get you. So her being in that murky water and uh, ugh, terrifying, terrifying. When she so, pops out was, of that water, uh, that sun behind her and everything, that that first shot when she comes up out of the water, it was just, gosh, just gorgeous. And listening to her talk about how much, you know, they were basically just yanking her in every direction. And she said, I was scared because not only was it scary to be yanked, I knew if I screamed bloody murder, they weren't going to stop because they just think I was acting. <laughs> so she's just pretty much not sure if they just rip her in two. So they're and just yanking her around. They were apparently had pulleys. I always thought it was underwater, but in the making of I watched, they were actually kind of muffled, like I think on a barge or something with it like rigged down and up. So there's people on both ends just kind of yanking. And the final one that she gets pulled under, that was Spielberg. He pulled her under because he wanted <laughs> to do it the way that he thought it should happen. And the other interesting thing is when she did the looping on it, they basically waterboarded her. They basically kept pouring water down her throat as she screamed. So she's going, and then she's screaming. They just kept pouring water to Dreyfus, the one that's like, they actually waterboarded her to get the right sound effect for it. But no shark, never see a shark in any way, shape or form. Terrifying. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I that's, I think, uh, yeah, I think just watching her writhe around in the water and hearing that about them basically waterboarding her while she did her audio, that's this whole movie. I I felt like this is scary if I were in that situation in real life. And this is scary if I'm in that situation as an actor because so much of this is people getting drugged through water and it's just... 
I just how they were able to be even remotely safe on on this set with most of the things that were happening baffles me. People trampling people in the surf and stuff. You know, it's and funny it's, you say that because I don't remember them ever talking about anybody getting too terribly hurt. Which I'm with you. You would think that they'd shit. You'd be wouldn't be surprised if someone got killed on it. You know, yeah. hold under and something gets on top of them. It was the I 70s. Mean, just rub some dirt in it. You know. Well, the more and more you uh, watch it, you start to listen to. I'd had no idea until I watched that official kind of making of was the uh, SS garage cell, the barge that they made that all the hydraulics and everything were on to run the shark. I mean, they had like a floating city out there trying to do half this stuff. And they were just winging it 24 seven. And once, cause I watched it before I watched the movie again. And it really made me have a lot of respect for the making of it because there's a lot of really cool shots with the shark and how even those barrels, how they're getting pulled under and all this. And you're kind of like, God, I'd love to see exactly how they had to do some of these shots. Is it divers underneath pulling? I mean, with radios, to, I mean, I don't know. With them talking about all the weather and constantly how the boats were constantly turning, not to mention the waves. And then when they finally got a decent shot, the worst thing they had to deal with was sailboats sailboats in the background <laughs> they have to wait for like two hours a stupid sailboat to leave and then they'd realize there's another one coming and steven spielberg said i'd sometimes have an eight minute window to decide do i shoot or not and we'd say yeah let's shoot until another sailboat comes up like the one guy pointed out he said you know it's not now you could just cgi it out now it's like what you shoot you get so they can't yeah. go out way out there and say can you get rid of your sailboats try and make a shark movie so you're like you do look at this it was supposed to be a 40-day shoot. Turned out to be 150 days. Oh, my God. $4 million budget turned into $14 million. Dreyfus said that would be today being a $30 million turning into $150 million. And meanwhile, the whole time, they have no fucking clue if they're even making a movie. I mean, if they have anything worthwhile. And uh, I can't remember his name. I should have wrote it down. Oh, Carl Gottlieb and Spielberg every night were pretty much writing the pages for the next day. It's like they were just kind of writing as they went along because apparently Benchley's script wasn't that great and he didn't want to fix it. So he's like, just get somebody else to fix it. So anyway, oh back Lord. to the story. After all that, we have the fantastic intro into Brody and his awesome wife and their perfect family, which is obviously the heart of this film. As Spielberg said, they, Charlton Heston wanted the role and he was like, no, you're Charlton Heston. I need an everyman because Brody is going to represent the, the viewer, the person oh, yeah. who's oh, 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 kind of scared and nervous about everything. And he's the best part of the whole goddamn movie, just watching him and Hooper. And well, I mean, Quint, they're all three are great. You're right. But I mean, watching him represent you and I scared of water kind of going, we're going to do what? I'm not drunk enough. Uh, 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 we could get a, that bigger boat. And maybe shouldn't we just go into land and get a bigger boat? And, and I'm like, everything he says, you're like, yeah, listen to him. So he is so good. Uh, the actress that plays Ellen is so good. His kids are incredible. That house is beautiful. Is beautiful. I mean, that's where I wrote there. it. That's why I wrote it looks like a Hitchcock film. I mean, they're in the kitchen and he's on the phone in the foreground. And this, uh, it's funny you wrote that because I wrote beautiful. on this scene, great use of close-ups. He's so good at like mm -hmm. either the split screen. What is that? Split diopter. Or oh, whatever. that diopter. Yeah. 
and just the close. Yeah. Well, there's, we're, I get ahead of myself. We'll talk about it in a second, but yeah, the intro of those two and it just, everything's so great about defining these characters, which kind of moves us straight into the, one of my favorite scenes is when they find the body and that damn deputy's blowing that damn whistle and he's going, <laughs> <laughs> they show him and he's in the foreground he just kind of falls into the sand and he's uh, just so <sighs> i mean you can feel it this poor guy's like yeah and then they come up and there's the crab covered carcass with just the fingers of this woman that's all that's there but that's all you need and you're just like Ugh, they're eating at her body already it's just and basically like a hand right i mean there might be a it. few other that's pieces all. but it's just like her arm it's just so nasty. This oh man, yeah. His uh, he sells that whole thing, and with uh, with the cop in the foreground, and with Brody and the drunk uh, college kid in the background reacting to it, and seeing this other guy post like reaction, kind of trying to process everything while he sits in the sand, and they're just he not does this thing with the sand where he just kind of I think he picks up like a stick or something, but he's just kind of playing in the sand. It's so perfect because you can tell he's just like in shock. You can tell it's just like this. Just kind of push this sand around, I guess, right now. Because I'm guessing on Amityville, if it was real, I mean, maybe there is a real one, but in their world, this probably didn't happen every day. (laughs) Oh, in Amity? Yeah, you don't see a lot of carcasses every day. So this poor deputy is probably like, Jesus Christ. No, he says later on that uh, he was like, you know, you cut New York, New York will kill you. I come to Amity, you know, one man can make a difference. There, there's mm. nothing happens in this town. It's a, I mean, even though it's a big tourist town, it's, you know, they haven't had, I can't remember. He says something like they haven't had a murder in 25 years or something, something right. along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Right. And uh, which makes, yeah, which, which town. does ultimately make the, I'm not giving credit, but it makes the mayor a little more believable. Because the mayor's kind of like, I know, but I think, I think from his standpoint, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a blip. Let's keep moving. It's like, that's a pretty big blip, buddy. Anyway, that. Oh, sorry. Uh, No, you can keep us moving. As they jump into one of my favorite other scenes. I'm going to say this every scene because it's so great. Brody's (laughs) office. (laughs) Yeah. Because it has that great one shot where he's going through there and has the, uh, 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 sad kid the teenagers in there he's all despondent and he kind of walks through there and the secretary is just kind of doing her thing kind of telling him how things are going to be and they follow him in there and then he's on the phone with the coroner and he does that great close-up where he types out shark attack and you go back to her and he's kind of oblivious because he's like oh i got bigger fish to fry literally we got a fucking shark attack and that shot is so freaking brilliant because i think other than the push in on the uh, the typewriter, it's all one shot. And they Spielberg oneer. There's the oneer. I mean, that's and he walks to the store. And I love uh, that scene where he goes in to get all the stuff. It's just so powerful. This guy has to go buy crafts. I know. To give he to the deputy to brushes. say, can you close down the beach? And the mayor's like, what's, what's going on? You can close down our beach? Yeah, he's walking through to that store. And I mean, that just that main street, the city, all the like the hand painted signs, like everything. It was just, I was just in awe of it. It was just all so beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I realized watching this that I've, you know, seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre a ton of times. I have seen, you know, Halloween and stuff like that. But, you know, outside of horror films and stuff, I just, the 70s are, kind of a very large blind spot for me. I don't, I 
I just haven't watched a ton of cinema outside of some horror films, you know, last house on the left and stuff like that. And so seeing something done so well, you know, not a independent low budget horror film set in the woods, seeing something shot so well and beautifully in this town and everything. I mean, it was, I wasn't alive then. It was like a time machine for me. And, and it was, you just want to eat it up. You should go straight into close encounters. Oh yeah. That's yeah. the next thing you should watch if if you haven't seen it because my God it's Spielberg's next movie and it's I think it's the only one that he actually wrote all of it I think it's his screenplay it's perfect too but anyway so they're going they get that he gives it to the deputy and basically says get to painting these damn signs I like how he kills telling him to make sure the secretary does the writing yeah it's great <laughs> kind of like your dumbass will fuck this up and we cut to the ferry ride I think to the Boy we Scouts? go to the kids swimming. And then, yeah, which cuts into kids swimming. I don't remember what that was in my notes. But anyway, then it Yeah, it's the Boy Scouts uh, that are, they said the Boy Scouts are out swimming. So he goes and he gets on that ferry and then the mayor pulls on. And so then you really get this introduction to the mayor. And this is where I wanted to touch on just how um, I looked at Cassandra and I was like, this is happening right now. Yeah, right. So the 100%. parallels, yeah, the parallels between, between a shark uh, and a coronavirus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the, like, do you sacrifice lives to save the economy and to save right. your town or to save right. your livelihood? Or do you, uh, do you shut it all down and, and hope you make it out alive and, and pick up the pieces later and figure it out? And obviously the powers that be are going to say, well, we need the economy. I mean, what's, what's, what's going to get you of shark insert virus like it's not that dangerous it might kill a person or two it's no big deal maybe it wasn't that maybe they died some other way and it was just like all of those parallels i was just watching going wow it it is literally the sedgwick county commission (laughs) going oh we'll encourage people not to swim too far out where the sharks and then the democrats are saying or we just shut the beaches down because people are stupid and they're going to swim far out and get eaten. Or we just kind of strongly encourage them not to swim too far out or we shut the beaches down. Yeah. But if you wear these life jackets, you're going to be safe. And it's like, well, I mean, they help, but you know, you probably still die. Um, Well, that's another, is that another one? -er? I think it's another one shot the whole time it's on the ferry. I think they do that in one shot and it's freaking beautiful. Yeah, I wonder how many of these, like you said, just due to shooting and stuff, were just necess- necessities. Like, we're just going to shoot this whole thing in one shot and call it I a day. think <laughs> there's a couple of times where the people, the way they move around, you're like, this is brilliant. We should remember this, is that there's a point where uh, I think uh, Hooper introduces himself to Brody, and Brody kind of, it's a one shot, and Brody kind of spins him around, kind of like holding his shoulders like, hey, I'm glad to see you. But you can tell Spielberg's like, I want to be able to see your face. Brody so turn him yeah. around and then suddenly it's on you and it works perfect now the one oh, thing I want yeah. to point out in that ferry ride that's makes you go god damn it it is you know talk about it being feeling like now is who's standing there is the coroner and he changes his mind he tells him now it's boat accident I and thought you said it was a, a shark no no I was mistaken the mayor's like yeah you fucking were mm-hmm. you were because mistaken you right work for me motherfucker you're not going to shut down our economy and it's like okay it's a boat accident that poor guy has to go almost sleep at night knowing that everybody's going to be fucking fish food 
Yep, you know, you make it seem like it wasn't a shark attack, and then guess what? Everyone's back out at the frickin' or everyone's out at the frickin' beach the next day. And that's when we get I can't remember her name. I just call her Yellow Hat Woman, the famous Yellow Hat Woman looking for her son. Yep, uh, Mrs. Kittner. Is that it? Yeah, because the kid's right. name was Alex Kittner. And that actress, God rest her soul. It's not in front of me. What's her name? Like Ferroni or something? Died this year. Oh, 92. Really? Yeah, I don't oh. have it in front of me, but her last name's like Ferroni or something. But F- Farewell, Yellow She said that, I think she stayed at Martha Vineyard. I think she was a local and lived there. And she said till the day she died, people would come up to her and want her to slap her. Slap her to slap them. And she made it sound like that she would. But it was like, yay! Hey man, how often video. do you get that? How often do you get that that opportunity? Would like, you do you that? Slap people? I don't. I don't think I would. I think I'm too old and broken that I'd be like, I'm afraid I'd hurt this person. Then they like sue my ass. Here, send this waiver real quick. Yeah, you know, you just weigh into them. They go, geez, I think you chipped a tooth, and it's like, like well, Kane Hodder, slap you. Kane Hodder at like uh, conventions and stuff will. Strangle, strangle you and he kind of has had to stop doing it i mean probably now more than anything because conventions don't exist and you can't touch people but um also because uh i, I mean i've heard accounts that people say uh yeah he was a little rough and i think yeah. it's kind of him going oh you want me to strangle you all right come here and it's like i'm not really gonna fake it i'm gonna like muscle you around and give you a little fright like is he really gonna strangle me right here during this photo op at fright texas frightmare or something right. you know i always thought because i saw that them talking about it and i love him don't get me wrong but i remember kind of thinking that's fucked up oh, it's, oh it's very fucked up. Per- people over and over again were like yeah it kind of hurt <laughs> and it's like yeah what's going through his brain it's like dude these are your fans let's not hurt them anyway <laughs> So she loses her child and she loses him in a horrible, horrible way. Oh, yeah. Not just a shark attack, but the kid looks like he practically explodes into a fountain of blood. Yeah, I mean, before, well, I mean, I guess as that happens. So there's this really masterful scene on that beach where, you know, they they kind of go from conversation to conversation and everything and it lands on Brody and he's watching. The yeah. jump cut on the every, people passing. Every time someone passes, it would jump in closer and closer. Yeah. And it was just, it kind of like put you, put you on edge. And he's watching this whole thing happening. And it's just intense. And then you get a good fake out from the girl screaming in the water. Oh, the guy just threw her up. Yeah. Yeah. And you get the tease with the dog kind of going missing. And you just see the stick and you're kind of going, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And then, yeah, that poor kid. He just and goes, it is, oh, it is, up. it is insane. That's the, that's where he says to that famous line, some bad hat, Harry. Yeah. Isn't there like a band or something like that named bad hat, Harry? There might be. I know it's, 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 it's the tagline of some production TV production company. <gasps> oh, like that's where I've heard it. At the end they'd say some bad hat, Harry. And it would pop up. That's where I've heard it. I want to say it's night court with Harry. What's his name? He used to have a production company. But anyway, Yes, because I didn't know forever what that was even from. Uh, oh, then you get that dolly zoom. <laughs> yep, I was going to say, they do the either the Curacao or the Spielberg effect on Brody, where it goes, woo! 
And that had to blow people's minds. Not something you see every day. Now you see people doing it more, but back then I don't think anybody ever seen it before. And they were probably watching that on a giant screen going, what the fuck? Why do I feel so weird? Yeah. I smoked all that weed before I came. <laughs> then we cut to the awesome. I just say it about every scene. Act like it's not my favorite, but you can't beat that damn uh, townspeople meeting where they start talking about what they're going to do with the shark and the $3,000 bounty. That's a master class in filmmaking, how the way he moves that camera and how the people jump up. And then, of course, it cuts to (laughs) fingernails on a chalkboard, which doesn't bother me, by the way, but it does bother other people. Because in the zombie movie, remember, I had to do that. My character, the stupid zombie, had to do it. And I actually did it. And it fucking tore my fingernails up. But I did multiple takes. Whoa, your camera's doing weird shit. We're having technical errors. We'll be back. No one's watching this. I'm just, I'm just giving people a play-by-play. This is old-time radio. And now I'm back on my webcam. Whoa. I look Whoa. Totally different. I actually like when he's on his webcam because it looks like I'm actually looking at Ryan. I want to point that out because when he's on his other camera, it looks like I'm looking at the side of his head. So this looks like I'm actually having a conversation. I'm going to do the whole thing. The other way. I'm going to do the whole thing facing yeah. profile. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. Don't you dare look at me. Don't you fucking Don't you look, look at me. What are we talking about? We we're talking oh, about in the meeting. Quint. So they enter Quinn. Anyway, yeah, I did the fingernail thing in the movie I was in. My zombie had this, he gets thrown against a chalkboard and he falls and he scrapes his fingernails. And as I did it, the whole cast and crew would go, you just lose it. And it didn't bother me other than the fact that it literally was wearing my damn fingernails down. So that sucked. But anyway, <laughs> Quentin does it and everybody it's the reactions are so great. Oh, so good. This time is the only time I really paid attention to people's faces and they're just so. <laughs> there was a lady in that room that says, well, I don't think that's funny. And Cassandra oh, goes, I know those ladies. I know them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when they said about the bounty, is that going to be a cash or check? And like, ooh, 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 ooh. I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny. And to be honest, it's not funny. No. no. This is all based on a child that was just eaten by a shark. And this guy's going, ha, 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 cash a check. Yeah, but she's the one that wants to keep the fucking beach open so that her hotel uh, can keep uh, admitting oh, guests. So I don't that. think she's very funny. Well, Thank you very screw much. Her. She can so anyway, screw. Um, Quint gives that amazing speech where he basically says, fuck that, $10,000, and I'll bring you the whole damn fish. And uh, for that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. It's great. He's so fucking great. And when he leaves, I love, the, I love his little sidekick. I wish he had gone out on the boat with him. <laughs> That little guy, I was like, please let him be in the rest of the movie. I think he's only like one more scene. I was like, where's his sidekick? I want just, that little dude. Yeah, he's just carrying shit around. Just carrying shit, being there. But that's a great scene. Then we go to uh, Brody reading up on sharks. And it's kind of shocking how uh, I think that it, it's another scene later where he's still doing it. But I just want to point out how effective it is. Just a sequence of showing a close-up of a book, flipping pages of the close-up so of the shark. And it's like, couldn't be the more lo-fi thing to do, but it's terrifying. The more you'd see these sharks and their teeth and destroying boats and you're kind of going, okay, yeah. 
There's one shot either 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 then or later on when he's flipping through a book where you can see the reflection of the photos in his glasses. Yeah. Like perfectly. And it's yeah. just so masterfully done. But uh I love when he's reading that book and Ellen sneaks up behind him and they both kind of scare each other. Yeah. He's like, Jesus, you scared me. She's like <laughs> up behind him. Uh, so that was really great. And I love That's that same says. thing where the kid's out on the, sitting in the water in his new gift, which is the boat. Mm-hmm. He says, where's, the, where's, where's he now? He goes, he's sitting in it. And he gets up and he goes out there and he yells at him. And she's kind of like, you need to relax. And then she looks down at that boat, boat or that drawing and shows mm-hmm. that shark, looks at the book. And there's that drawing of that shark busting to the side of the boat. And she goes, she goes, Michael, get off that water now. Listen to your father. And he kind of turns like, damn, you turned quick. She changes her mind very fast very when, quick. when, like, it, when faced with to the facts. To me, that's very much a, a mom thing, which I think is pretty great. She says one of my favorite lines, which is just really matter of factly. She says, want to get drunk and fool around? <laughs> and, he goes, and he goes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they establish them as just kind of the perfect couple, and which is why one of the million reasons why this film works so well is that you just like, let him get home to his wife and children. Yeah. Quinn's really like, great. we could all die. I don't give a shit. It's like, okay, Quint, just because you have a death wish doesn't mean the rest of us have to get taken down with you. Quint, at one point in the film, kind of seems also like a the other monster you know what i mean oh yeah it's like they got the shark and they got to deal with quint who's clearly losing his goddamn mind <laughs> and all he have is hooper and uh brody looking at each other like Ooh, gotta deal with this too now <laughs> apparently he's he's crazy uh he's yeah it's but the right kind of crazy to catch a shark that big you know i think was, i think you gotta be crazy it's, he I, I always like to know how old people are when they made stuff he was 48 oh wow i thought the guy was Easily my age or a couple of years older, but he's obviously lived a lot harder life. He also died a couple of years after that of a heart attack. Aww. So, yeah, he was driving with his family in Ireland and had to pull over and that was it. Uh, so, how did these fishermen in the next scene, how did they plan to catch a shark off of the dock with a roast? I think they just had a, a giant hook. <laughs> and I think they threw it on, if I remember right, they, the bobber was a tire. Mm-hmm. And I think they just thought there was going to just be meat hanging in the water and the shark would just eat the meat. And And they just pull it on in. I guess they would think, well, I mean, being that I'm not very smart, my thought would be, well, this very strong dock is going to have a chain tied to it. We'll figure that out once we get it because it's going to just be hooked to a chain. That's $3,000 of 1975 money. Meaning a lot of money. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course, of course. I think they're thinking. Well, she he says something about with this money she can buy. That's that's my wife's holiday roast. And he goes with that money she can buy something. So many roasts. I don't remember the line. What is that right here? Where is it? Two dipshits. Oh, wife's holiday roast. And I wrote Fourth of July. Is that the holiday roast? You don't hear about people saying we're having holiday roast. For 4th of July? (laughs) Holiday roast is, maybe it was saved for the holiday holidays. Oh, I love that song. Holiday roast. Holiday roast. Gooding did a cover. Very nice. Anyway. um, Really amazing cover of that song. So that was. And there's another way. Never see the shark. Perfect. uh, Doc spin around. And him 
trying to get back before the uh, dock, which is obviously getting pulled by the shark, is coming up behind him. When they drug him, yeah, when they drug him on that dock, or when that shark drug him on that dock, uh, I was genuinely worried about that guy. It's just for sure he's dead. Well, not just for the shark. I mean, it's just like he's on this piece of dock, and you see he's like, okay, I'm good, I'm good, and then it gets submerged, and he gets submerged and comes off the back, and I'm just like. These he's poor damn. people. The other fearful thing is how far did he get pulled out? Ugh. He's just a big, dumb, fat guy. Like he's just going to go pull a Michael Phelps and turn around and be back in. And he's going, uh, 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 don't look behind like, you, Charlie. You're Smith. like, you just became the holiday roast. <laughs> holiday. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I love when that wide shot where they're getting back up on the deck and they, the deck actually dock, excuse me comes into the foreground, bam, hits the beach. And he goes, can we go home now? <laughs> bah, 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 bah. And I, you know, this goes without saying, but those are really good writing decisions because they just killed everybody because we, we both love ourselves some Friday the 13th, but let's face it. Those movies would have just killed those motherfuckers. <laughs> everybody oh, yeah. would always be dead, but for kind of master storytelling and uh, for being a thriller, it's a little more exciting to see just how close these guys got to getting it and, and letting them live and move on. It just kind of adds to the ooh, next yeah. one's not going to be so lucky. Yeah. And it allows for the next scene, you know, for talking, I'm going to turn my AC on. Ooh, do it. It allows for the next scene for, um, for those guys to, you know, with them not getting killed, it's nice because then the next day everyone can go, oh, it's an isolated incident. It was just one kid. Let's go catch this thing. And it's not like, you know, bodies just kept piling up one after another. Oh, you know, they, they couldn't ignore it as easily as they do. And so you get this next shot on the dock is one of the more I wrote down is one of the more brilliant kind of oneers. And it's not, it doesn't last forever, but I just love this watching these things come together from a filmmaking standpoint, because it's just like a stationary camera and someone comes into it and then it moves along with them and then it stops and then they keep moving. And then it's, it's just beautiful how that scene plays out when he's running around, like talking to people and like, you got too many people in your boat. What are you doing? You got dynamite, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Oh, right, so, right, right, right. So that's the next scene. Uh, that's what I've got. Oh, I have cut Brody looks at shark pictures, effective. Maybe that was already part of that other one. Yeah, the boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, uh, um, Hoop, isn't a Hooper that says, they're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, uh, those eight men in that boat, none of them are going to get out alive. <laughs> doesn't he say at some point they're all going to die? Maybe separately. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he I think he mentions yeah. it on few different occasions yeah. that He's, people are going to you know. be. Uh, at some point, he says something about shark. I'm not going to wait around for people. Oh, it's when the mayor. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. When the mayor's in front of that billboard, I'm going to wait around on a guy who's getting ready to be like shark food or something. Yeah. Yeah. The whole scene with all the dipshits and they're throwing explosives in the water and they're chumming and it's just fucking chaos and it's it's such redneck central. Three thousand dollars. It's like you said. They're all just like, I won't get that money. Well, and and that's the thing. They. It's a perfect encapsulation of this hive mind, um, mass panic. Like, we're gonna go get them, and none of them know what they're doing. They're all reckless. They're all like right next to each other. The guy makes a comment about all their bottom, all the bottoms of their boats are gonna crash against the the bottom of the the ocean, and. 
and they're throwing little cherry bombs and they've got dynamite and they're just chumming like crazy. These guys don't know what they're doing. They're just a bunch of fucking idiots. Well, and they all, and the funny thing is, this is jumping forward, but they do get a shark. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I should. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> fucking idiots don't know what they're doing except for that gigantic shark that they do get. Oh, they caught a shark. Um, which is not big enough. It's a tiger. And they're, and they're rare in these waters, but I, he's nervous about that bite radius. Anyway, we'll get to that. But still, I mean, poor sharks, because let's face it, all the sharks in this movie, like all the sharks in the world, they're innocent. They're not man-eaters. They just happen to possibly eat a man, but that's called food. And most of the time they think they're seals and they're just feeding. You're in their world, dipshit. That was the hardest part about this whole thing for me is getting towards the end and watching them go toe to toe with Bruce, the shark. And um, I'm a, you know, I'm a compassionate animal loving vegan, like all creatures on this earth deserve to be able to live. You're in their water. You run the risk of getting eaten by a fucking shark. If you want to swim around in the ocean, I'm sorry. Okay. You're on their, you're in their hood. And so, man, watching a, watching a fake shark get jabbed a bunch of times and shot and everything really hurt, kind of hurt my heart, even though (laughs) it's a deadly, deadly animal that is trying to eat people that I really care for. I completely agree with you. I would say the only difference is, is obviously I think they're trying to, uh, I'm not telling you what you don't know, but it seems to me like they're trying to make this shark different than most sharks is that it's got a bit of a bloodlust. It's in its feeding community our feeding grounds, excuse me, it's rogue and it's going to just eat every goddamn human it can get its hands on. And at some point they're like, we'd like to go swimming, please. So it's kind of like he didn't go, Oh, there's the whole ocean. I'll go look. No, I'm just going to keep eating you at some point. There's a line literally drawn in the sand or the water that it's like, well, one of us, one of us is going to win and the humans decide it's going to be them. Now, the problem I always, since I was a child, have had problem with this premise is ocean's pretty big, probably more sharks. Right? So, you think that's the only crazy shark with the blood lost out there? I mean, like, 25 feet is crazy rare. You know how big it was? I think there's supposedly... On record, someone swears in Australia there was one that was documented at almost 30. So it was actually bigger. Mega shark. Still, well, there's one. What is it? Big Blue. It's still out there. They have video of it, Big Blue. And I think it's supposed to be like 22 or 23 or something. But getting to the point, yeah, I'm with you. Kind of like uh, you go in the water. And I think most marine biologists and people like that, they agree with you. It's like, well, this is their, we're in their water. So we can't get on this kick. And I think there was a bit of a backlash over the years that Peter Benchley ultimately did horrible things for the shark community because he made them villains and people were like, kill them all. Where, you know, obviously we can go on a whole tangent about, you know, Japan and everything having their shark fin soup and they would just pull up thousands and cut their fins off and then throw the bodies back in the water. What do you think of that, vegan? I don't want to talk about it. I watched the Cove once about the uh, annual dolphins water and uh, I cried throughout like the whole movie and it has scarred me forever watching that many dolphins just get savagely murdered 
cotton I am of and savagely cur- murdered. I'm currently wearing my shark skin boots. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Don't send all your hate mail to hate mail at Gmail. Black Ooze presents stuck. <laughs> um, no. Hashtag uh, hate your, mail. Your point is well taken. And I th- tr- trust me, every time I watch it, that crosses my mind. Other than it's just a movie. This is supposed to be a monster that's going to kill everybody, including small children. And they have to do the noble thing and take it out. Well, yeah, I'm not like taking the filmmakers to task or no, or no, no. anything I'm like just that. Saying, I, I get. Well, you're also that was 75, and now we're Jesus Christ, 45 years later. Things Jesus Christ, Isn't that crazy. Yeah, anyway, man. So at that point, we got introduced to Hooper, who was great, and obviously uh, Brody was. Thank God, glad to have a, another feral, uh, another fellow. Uh, 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 I'm going to say liberal. <laughs> Someone else that makes sense who understands maybe we need to shut the beaches down. And uh, then they do the great scene where they go to look at the body. Yeah, what's left of it? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, so watching at this Hooper. point, the boats bring in the shark. They had to because they wouldn't be able to cut it down and look at it. So we've seen the shark. And I saw, I didn't know this before until I was watching so, uh, one of the making of is, they had to catch, that's a real shark. They caught it somewhere very far away and had to charter a private plane because regular plane would not take this kind of two or three ton shark in a crate on ice. Really? So they basically flew it in and it was literally decomposing as fast as it could. So when it's hanging up for that shot, it stinks and it's already starting to rot. So Good. Fuck to- all those people. So <laughs> the sun going, shoot. Well, that's another thing talking about being an animal lover. <laughs> Is you know they hired shark hunters go out and find the biggest shark we can because we need it for this shot. They didn't eat it or anything. They just hung it up and don't ruin this movie for me, Ryan. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting more and more angry as we go. Uh, no, that's whatever. It's fine. Well, I always wondered because obviously the main shark, Bruce. You know they do some pretty good shots with those, but it's obviously fake. But I always remember seeing that going. That is a real shark. Because that is brilliantly done if it's, you know, a prop. But Oh, yeah. Well, and you mix that with some of the underwater shark, the actual, like, underwater right. shark footage and stuff, and and it, it it gets you. I mean. Oh, God, oh. yeah. And we'll, yeah, and we'll get to it. But when you first see that thing just come up out of the water just barely in that first scene uh, that we see it, which we'll get to it. Um, oh, boy. Good. That, that all, that all put, since shivers so down they, your spine. So they go and decide they're going to cut open the body and just to see, because obviously they say they don't want a boy to come spilling out on the dock in front of everybody. But they go and they open it up. and uh, Oh, yeah. But before that, they have the, the Hooper shows up at dinner. And um, you get oh, some right. amazing, because they do the medical examiner thing and, and Hooper's just shook. And so then, you know, they find that, that shark and everything. But so. And uh, at this point, Hooper thinks, or excuse me, Brody thinks they got the shark because he's very excited. Oh, yeah. You know, got to get a photo for the press. And yeah, Brody, he's like, he's like, oh, good job, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah this yeah. is awesome. So, yeah, you got to get a photo for the and press. And the whole time, uh, Hooper's kind of going, eh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, he knows better. And uh, so uh, he says, let's cut it scene. open. Uh, so the dinner scene, oh, and then Miss Kittner uh, slaps Brody and you just really feel for him because he's like, I didn't make that decision. 
you know, to let people go back out into the water. Um, but, uh, but no, so then, you know, you get to the dinner table and Brody, oh, that's the scene. Yeah, you up. Say that. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you because I didn't write that down. That is when, uh, yeah, Miss Kittner comes up and does the famous. And yeah. They did that take a billion times to get that slap right. And, uh, um, it's yeah, hard to slap someone on camera and it's broken hearted because, uh, you realize that, uh, they're right. Her son's dead because. The Republicans <laughs> decided to keep the beach open. If they would have done it his way, that kid would be fine because the beaches would be shut down until they could take care of the shark. So anyway, fast yeah. forward to the dinner scene. He's the- so heartbroken. Yes. I mean, just over, over, you know, what she said and everything. And he's just sitting there silently. And it's one of the most beautiful moments in the film where his kid is sitting there just mimicking every move that he makes. And he'll pick up his drink and his kid picks up his drink and then he crosses his hands and his kid crosses his hands and he's just watching him. And then eventually he realizes the kid's watching him and he starts to starts to play with them a little bit. And then he makes that monster face. And it's just like it almost made me cry because it was just such a sweet, sweet moment. And he leans in and says, give give us a kiss. I, I have to look at my notes because we've left something completely out. Because I want to get to this. I realized I go, oh, we have this all backwards. Sorry to you Jaws fans that are going, ah, you missed a. We have the boats happening. But the first thing Hooper wants to do is look at the girl's body. Yeah. And that's an important scene because they go look at the actual body. This is the coroner and everything. And that's when he says, this was no boat accident. Did you notify the Coast Guard? And he goes, no. And he says, this is no coral reef accident. This is no Jack the Ripper. It was a shark. And that's yeah, sorry, when it's I like, thought we were. Yeah, that's when, because I think that's a super important part, because that's the first time you go, you feel it that you got an expert in going, uh, 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 you know, this is a fucking shark. And the coroner is a fucking idiot. And, and that's shook. when you go to them bringing in the actual shark. Right. See, one of the things I wanted to point out was two things. Never noticed it before. All the chaos on the deck, really small in the back. You see Quint going by in his boat, mm-hmm. walking at all, which is fantastic. And my favorite, maybe my favorite moment just for humor effect is when he says, somebody goes, what kind of uh, uh, shark is this? And Hooper says, a tiger shark. And one of the locals goes, a what? <laughs> It's so over the top and I laugh every time. Oh, what? I'm thinking these fuckers haven't heard of a tiger shark. Let's see. Uh, so then, uh, yeah. So then he gets confronted by Miss Kittner. Yeah. Because or they talked says, to the mayor and said, it's not the shark or could, might not be the shark. Right. Sorry. Yes. yes. Uh, Miss Kittner shows up in all black and she's obviously heartbroken at the loss of her child and the fact that he knew about it. He's the one that's going to get slapped for it, even though right. he tried to do the right thing. He caved right. and let the powers that be make the call to open the beaches again because money, greed, economy, lively, economy well, and, and livelihood. I think the important thing, and I'm... I'm a fierce liberal, so I'm on the side of that here. But I get, I always get the argument of if we, we're going to be in a lot of hurt if we just tank our economy completely. But then it's a double-edged sword and it's like, and let a pandemic go crazy or let sharks eat multiple people. And it's like, 
maybe that won't happen. Yeah, experts are saying that's going to happen. So it's like either way you go, you're something bad's going to happen. But you should err on the side of maybe people not dying. Should always be. Yeah, so something we should be on. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think at a certain point, maybe human life kind of comes first, and maybe address right. that first, and then right. you know, address the maybe longer lasting consequences of shutting down your economy. Now we should get to what I so rudely interrupted you. It was just bothering me because I was looking at my notes and I was going, "Wait a second, we missed something." That yeah, bothers. I thought we were just glossing over that part. No, I think I, that I body scene is super along. important. So go back to your dinner scene. I'm sorry. Yes, that's a beautiful scene with his little son. Who yeah. Made- it's so it's so sweet and it's such a moment and he just goes he just leans in and says give us a kiss and he goes why and he said because I need one and, and you could just tell the whole thing which makes it even more beautiful yeah and you're just you're just so worried about everything and in that moment you're just kind of this beautiful this, moment in their family this is what's important mm-hmm. absolutely and then Hooper, Hooper shows eat, up Hooper comes in takes the dinner starts eating. And she says, you're in sharks. <laughs> Never heard it described that way, but yes, yeah, I am. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, they caught a shark, just not the shark. That's what he said. He's pouring a glass of wine. He's, you, you, you want to let that breathe? You want to, yeah. and he comically pours like a whole big glass of oh, giant, giant okay. glass of wine. I like when she's like, uh, talks about Brody. I don't know what his first name is. Martin? Martin. She's like, Martin has a fear of the water. I, you've always had a fear of the water since you were a kid. There's a clinical name for it. And he goes, drowning. And he goes, just turns to him. And starts- <laughs> That's one of my favorite little bits. It's, uh- yeah, it's like drowning. Can we get back to what we're doing here? I wrote next to that favorite line because it really is. We're going to go anyway, cut open this shark. Can you do that? They cut open a shark. And the other thing I, always, I didn't understand is like milk comes out. Yeah. What is that? What is that? I'm this guessing like, that's stomach acid or something okay. gross like that. Well, I don't know. Kid that I was always like, why is it white? But I guess they would <laughs> They know. said, uh, you're going to go cut up in a shark. And she says, can you do that? And uh, topical, he says, I can do anything. I'm the chief of police. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> so they cut open the shark. And then Dreyfus does what he does better than anybody. Everyone's while over, over acts. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> He does that a lot in this film when he's smelling something he doesn't like. Oh. Ah, ah, ah. I felt I could smell it based on his reaction. I felt like I could smell the inside of that shark. And that's a really great shot because you've got so much going, like this beautiful background uh, and where, wherever they're at in the pier or wherever the hell they are. And, um, and Brody's just back there watching and he's just hucking fish and license plates and all this shit at him. And then when he That's comes a back moment. and lays back, it's just like this two shot of them and just looking at the shot. It's, it's super Isn't cool. It, is it Mississippi? It says, I, that's why I figured it's from Louisiana. Southern and he got, yeah, he goes, how do you know? Clunk. It's a Louisiana. That's like, that's really Southern. So um, he says to him, I have it written right here because it's important. You got a hell of a fish out there with a mouth this big. So, so they're they going to go try to spot it, right? They're going to go night scene. He says, I'm not drunk enough for this, but he makes him go. So, and it's funny because Brody is getting more and more drunk as they're out there, which I really never noticed before. We got away, you can tell it's the only way they got him on the water at night is if he's fucked up. And that's a terrifying scene. It's not as much now because obviously I've seen it, but 
first time I saw it, it's like, you're going to go at night? In the fog. Yeah, in the dark water, you're going to go at dark, dark? No, bad idea. And then they discover the boat, and he says, well, I'm going to swim down, look at it. Uh, I, I love it. On the boat, he says, uh, he says, you get the late show on this thing? And he's looking at all the dials and everything. And, uh, and he says, so you don't like water. What do you do? It's kind of like a guy that doesn't like water living on an island. And he says, it's only an island if you look at it from the water. There you go. He's like, okay, that makes no sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they've got an incredible atmosphere on that foggy boat. And especially with those uh, lights lit yeah. up underneath it when they yeah. pull up on Ben Gardner's boat. And that light is shining through it and all these beautiful rays. And uh, it's just like that oh, cinematography in that scene is so gorgeous. I couldn't agree more. Now, here's where I get confused. I mean, obviously, we can talk about the important shot where he goes down there and there's a hole in the side of the hole. Mm-hmm. And he finds the, the uh, shark tooth the size of a shot glass. Oh, that always cracked me up because the shot glass didn't seem big enough. No nope. size of that shark. <laughs> um, but, and then of course the famous head <laughs> comes out. Cassandra so legit jumped. Sorry. Good. Cassandra Good. legit jumped. It was Good. amazing. That makes me happy. God, that's a look. Now I have two things I want to talk about, about that scene. One, they didn't shoot that. They shot that after they started editing and they were editing at the woman's house who edited it. It's a woman who owns like an, I wonder if she was older. Sorry, I'm, I won't go on that tangent. They showed a photo of her and she was an older woman. And I was like, I hope she was that old when she edited it because it just looked like someone's aunt, which I loved. But anyway, uh, Spielberg had an idea. So he went to a prop guy and said, build me a hole. And they went to her pool at her same house they were editing at, filled like milk in it, put the hole down there and shot that head. Whoa. And, and then inserted it because he said, I think we need another jump in this film. So they made that up after the film was wrapped. Now, the thing that got me, I never heard that before until now. I was like, ooh, okay. I was thinking out loud. They don't ever mention the head. They only mention they found a tooth the size of a shot glass. Uh So I'm curious what they shot and what we would have seen if that shot was never stuck in there. You know what I mean? Right, because he still gets clearly startled by something. Drops yeah, that's this what, tooth, drops everything right. else, and swims the fuck out of there. So, like, that's what always threw me off. I don't know if they showed something and it wasn't enough. And he said, "We need something huge and ugly to come out of there." But anyway, Maybe it was like a little. Do you think it was like a little seahorse just kind of <laughs> out of there? And he goes, Wah! "This little seahorse goes." <laughs> Finding that's a, Nemo. That's the sound seahorses make. <laughs> um. I do wonder what the heck he was supposed to be reacting to. Something scared the shit out of him. Yeah. Unless they just mimicked that a shark shadow, you know, something. But anyway, I so thought that then, was interesting. That's to me the joy of filmmaking. It's yeah. like, well, let's just use your pool and shoot this real quick and just shove it in there. I mean, you didn't know they didn't shoot it then. And it's probably one of the top five most famous things in that. It also makes you understand why they don't really say to the mayor, his fucking head came out with his eye now. You know, I always kind of wonder why they didn't make more more of a point about that. It's because it didn't exist yeah. when they were shooting. Yeah, especially because he says they drug the boat in. 
right with them so it's kind of like did you leave the head out there or did you just is it still in the boat or okay i have got bigger fish mayor and i wrote i wrote next to it great white will continue to feed as long as the mayor does not give a fuck yep he says we depend on the summer people to survive again i mean it's like you it's that that's that question like do you side with him or not but Hooper also says he just found a food source and it's basically your tourist. And it's this rogue sharks, what do you call it? Rogue. And he's like, do you got this tooth? No, I dropped it. So you don't have the tooth, which he's such an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to, he like, they made up this tooth. Like he'd do anything if they had the tooth. Well, yeah. And then they reveal vandalism on that gorgeous uh, billboard and uh, and then he's like take care of this like you, you gotta get on this thing and it's like all of the things that he's asked to do outside of deal with this shark are all so minuscule and it kind of highlights early on in the film I didn't talk about it but it kind of highlights how little happens in that town when he's like oh the kids from the karate are karate chopping the fences and you gotta handle right. it and then all this other stuff there's another instance where they mention uh, the guy at the bicycle shop was like, someone's been out in front of my shop. And it's, it's all just ticky tack, petty, 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 right. Petty minor, like not even crimes really. And, and so even when, and this moment when all this crazy shit is happening and Vaughn's like, well, you, you know, it's the real problem is vandals painted my billboard with a shark and it's not funny. And you got to take, let's not be concerned about the child who was eaten. Let's be yeah. off that someone uh, screwed up our sign. And then he says, I'm not going to deal with a man lining up to be a hot lunch. That's <laughs> yeah. what Hooper says. A man lining up to be a hot lunch. <laughs> then they cut to the insanity of all the tourists showing up. That's a lot of people. Yeah, my really, first thought about that, never thought about it till this time was, well, it's public that a kid got eaten by a giant shark. That doesn't, I mean, I know they address it because no one's swimming at first. But it's kind of like, I would think there'd be less people. But we live in a world where you think more people would wear masks and stuff. But they don't seem to give a fuck. So people probably are like, oh, it was just one shark. Yeah, and they show that they blew that picture up really big. And it's a whole wall. To me, we've been over this before. That's the same thing. That's the shark. Yeah. Can't there be more sharks? Exactly. You pulled that shark out of that water. Yeah, I'm not going swimming in that water. That's how I feel. Fuck that. Nope. If you get hit by a drunk driver and they lock him up, that doesn't mean the city, the streets are safe from drunk drivers because you locked one up. Right. But they make it sound like, oh, but there's all, it's rare. It's a rogue drunk driver. We've got the one drunk driver. He's the worst. He's the worst. We got him. Everybody else is fine. They can handle their liquor. (laughs) The other thing I noticed, I don't think it was on purpose. I'm probably reading into it. But when the tourists were all going, they kind of, for two seconds, hold on this one woman walking and she has a yellow floppy hat, which just remind me of the, and it's not the same hat, but it's, it kind of looks close enough that I was just curious if anybody said like, Hey, another, it was just a little wink, like more people are going to die. Here's another woman with a floppy hat. Uh, there's some kids playing a killer shark arcade game on the boardwalk. That's and it's great. pretty cool to see a 1970s arcade game. Uh, that's pretty cool. That blinky thing. Yeah. That's and so, cool. so yeah, you get all these people on the beach 
And just like you said, everyone's there, but no one's going into the water. So it's kind of like, why did you even come if no one's going to go into the water? And of course, well, Mayor the Bond, other thing is the mayor at some point says, ah, oh, shark injured some bathers. That's how he puts it. He says, he also says we, he, he phrases that little news thing that he's filming so perfectly that uh, I think he even says like, a shark that supposedly injured some bathers and we oh. caught a shark and he doesn't right. say, he doesn't necessarily say we caught the shark that was responsible for these deaths. The beach is safe. He just, he, it was a real Trump way of saying like, say as much as you can without actually admitting to anything because you don't have anything to actually admit to because you're wrong. Plausible denial. There you go. Plausible deniability. Well, and then he goes and he fucking talks to those people on the beach and he's like, uh, so why aren't you in the water? And they're like, well, uh, I, uh, uh, he's like, you should get in the water. And then the look on those people's faces as they, it was like, a, uh-huh. it was like they were walking the plank or something. The look on their faces of just genuine unease and fear as they walked to their certain I think death. in their shot with a lady like looks back over her shoulder like uh, 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 <laughs> like they're getting sent to their death. Yeah, it's it, it's so subtly played, but it's so well played. And within 30 seconds, everybody goes nuts. Yeah, all it takes is a lot. Yeah. Oh, fine, let's go wee! Then they go insane. I like that at some point, the mayor looks up and they got a helicopter and everything. And he's kind of like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> are you trying to kill this? But obviously it didn't because people go out. But then you have the fake shark moment. Yeah, those little fuckers. And I've noticed this before, but I'm sure you caught it is, you know, it's they never use the John Williams score when that shark shows up. So it's their way oh. of saying it's not the real shark. They don't try to they don't pull that crap. You never get, you just get the shark and you're, of course, first time you see it, I assume you thought it might be real, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, uh, definitely. I, I think it was, it was the perfect time for it to happen. They built that suspense up with the family going out and then all of a sudden everyone else is out in the water and you know, you think it's safe to go out into the water. The shark's just going to show up and then you just have all that panic and that was almost scarier than the shark is, is people trampling children and like, Oh, that one guy just like barrels through those little kids and just knocks them over. Through. There's a bunch of unattended children just like kind of like floating around, like just meat crying ready yeah. to be. And, and people are trampling old people. And it's, it was that moment when you realize, Oh shit, as a human race, if something like this goes down, it is, you are immediately, I'm saving myself fuck everyone else. And, and that to me was almost a scarier kind of glimpse into like that panic mode that everyone goes into and that, that herd just trampling people just to get out of the water. And it turns out it's just a couple of little shitty kids with a cardboard fin. <laughs> and they had a great shot of their point of view with all those guys on the boat with about 10 different guns just pointing at them. And they was like, Oh, he made me do it. And it's so real because you could, of course, see some stupid kid thinking, oh, it'll be funny. We'll just go out and scare a couple of people. And they literally clear the whole beach and almost get shot in the head by 10 different guys. Yeah, that's a perfect moment. Like, you know, I feel like uh, most kids have been like, let's do this thing. It'll be funny. And then the seriousness of the situation, you're faced with that when a cop pulls a gun on you or something and you go, 
oh, I was joking. I'm sorry. <laughs> you start crying. And of course, nowadays they'd probably be shot. We won't get into that. Um, it depends on, yeah. Yeah. I know I'll leave that one alone. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> so we cut to Michael's in the pond. Chuck's in the pond. Gone. Yep. Now, that's the other thing that always confused me. He's, he seems understandably okay. I mean, he's trying to save his kid's life. So he's like, please don't take this boat out into the ocean. Take it into the pond. And I'm the whole t- I'm always thinking the same thing. Does he not know the pond can there's it's, you know a shark connected. can get in from the ocean? It's obviously connected. Yeah, maybe it's just like more shallow or something. Because he says the old ladies, that's for old ladies or whatever. So it's like maybe it's just like that inlet or that that. Part well, you that's might maybe be right. It might also be something. the. Uh, they might have foreshadowed that when they say, "Don't you know the most shark attacks happen in three foot of water?" But oh, as yeah. smart as Brody is, you'd think he would tell his kids. Uh, I just don't want you in any water, but I realize it doesn't work for the writing. Anyway, they show the, I think it's Brody's youngest child on the beach. And in that beautiful shot behind him, it just shows the shark's fin oh. and the tail and the dorsal. Is that right? Anyway, it just kind of goes under and it's like, ooh, such a great shot. Because one of the first times you actually see the shark shark. Yeah. So I wrote uh, one hour and two minutes in. And First time you actually see the shark. We see the shark and it's that dude, they had to have this random guy out there going, hey, you got to pull your sails or whatever. And then he's like, hey, you kids doing all right? And you're kind of like, what does this guy want? What is he doing? Oh, he's merely there so that we could tip him over and have a shark eat his ass. And when you see that thing start to surface and he's like on his boat that's on the side, holy shit even like second time around i watched it today and i went oh, it was just yeah. oh man yeah you finally get and that's the first it. time they do a high above shot where they show the whole shark and he sideways doesn't he go yeah mm-hmm. mouth open yeah so you see the scale of it and you go oh shit and then you see a nice shot of his leg yeah that was cool the bottom that's pretty great <laughs> and the kids all get saved thank god yeah, that look on Michael's face, the kid really sells like how horrifying it was. Yeah, I mean, you see him basically go into shock in that moment, and it's it's nuts. He's fine in Jaws 2. Oh, that's good to know. Is the mayor still the mayor in Jaws 2? Yes. I know, I'm joking. I've seen yeah, that yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's that's also topical. Um, Why it's important to vote in local elections. There you go. Yeah, so it exactly. does that, and then we cut to the hospital scene. I love, did you notice Michael asked for coffee? I was going to tell you, he asked for cars and then coffee. And I was like, oh, maybe he's like a big Jerry Seinfeld fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stick around for more not very good jokes. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I just watched a couple of episodes of that last night. <laughs> we won't go on that tangent because that's nothing to do with it. Except for Neil Brennan. I love Neil Brennan. Oh. He, I didn't watch his before because I really didn't know much about him. And now that I do, I was like, oh, I never watched this one. And it's funny because Neil Brennan's talking to Seinfeld and Seinfeld goes, I, I, I'm paraphrasing how he said it, but he goes, you're so intelligent. <laughs> like he's surprised or something? Well, it's, I, don't think, it's, I don't think Seinfeld is kind of clearly an asshole. Doesn't praise people that much, but he can tell he's really genuinely like, holy shit, you're fucking smart. <laughs> it's like, you can tell he's just saying it like, God damn, yeah, you're a fucking smart man. What have you did? seen, have you seen three mics? You know, I haven't. I'm going to. Dude, you got to watch that. I've heard it's great. Well, and Seinfeld gives him props and says, you know, he's one of the first times that comedians kind of reinvented the form and he did with that three mics. 
It's brilliant. That's yeah, I one of my to. favorite standups of all time because it's it just takes you on such a journey from one-liners to regular stand-up to just stories and he's these great. like crushing, like soul-crushing, heartbreaking stories. Okay, I'll watch um, it. Yeah, he I'm... just walks in between those three microphones and it's it's super good. You have to try it. I'll watch it. So anyway, that, uh, she said, he says to her, do you want to go home? And she says, back to, back to New York. Because <laughs> she's like, I'm ready to get the fuck out of here. My kid almost just got eight. Then they have the great scene, which is great, where the mayor apologizes. He says, yeah. you're the mayor of Shark City. And he's yeah, just kind of like, Ugh. And it's a good scene because for like half a second, you kind of do realize the guy does have some kind of soul. It's like, oh, this is real. Everybody could die. I could have killed so many fucking, and he says, my kids were on that beach. And he realizes, yeah. uh, maybe I could kill my children. And that's when they hire Quint. 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 Sorry, I keep calling him Quinn. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so I'm glad I watched this movie again because the first time around, I caught roughly 50% of what Quint says. He, uh, he talks like this all the time throughout the movie. All I could think of, there's two things. I kept thinking of uh, um, uh, Willem Dafoe from The Lighthouse. Because he was such right. a sailor, and, and everything's public, and they're both Irish. I think. Me, oh, I think he's Irish, and I think Willem Dafoe plays an Irishman. No, they're Canadian, aren't they? That's in Canada somewhere. I don't even know. Anyways, anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but they have yeah, the same arg, arg. Yeah, that's old timey sailor. It's amazing. And then I realized I'd watched a scene in "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" a bunch of times, but Charlie Kelly does. You know, they come at you and they go, they look at you and they they got their teeth. And he does this whole thing that is a spot on Quint from Jaws. That is, I never caught the reference, obviously. And and now I can't unhear it. It's so good. (laughs) Quint, uh, here's to swimming with bow-legged women. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. You got city hands, Mr. Hooper. I wrote that down too. <laughs> and they're, they're, the way they fight when they meet in his in his place, Quince, whatever you call that, his shed or his home, his hovel. Awesome. Oh, it's awesome <laughs> with all the with all the uh, 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 I don't know what you call them, shark teeth everywhere. Yeah. He's really testing Hooper there, and I, I really like it. He he says, make a sheep shank or whatever. And, and uh, when he does it, he doesn't that, give uh, a shit. No, he throws it at him, and he just kind of tosses it to the yeah, side. And then he yeah, whatever, fine, holds you can his hands, and he's he's just doesn't, you know, he's the he's the sea man, and and this is the rich the rich kid. And he's like, what do you know? And I love it because I think, and, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but... Uh, if I forget to say it, they are both their own special kind of crazy. Yeah. And that's what I think is really great about it is they kind of start to realize like, oh, we're both A, on the same side and B, we're both kind of crazy and willing to do what it takes to to get the job done. And I love it. I love that. And I, I think before I forget it, because I'm sure I will, there is a point towards the end of the movie where Quint does say to Hooper, I'm paraphrasing because I'm terrible unless I write it down, but he basically says, what kind of equipment you got to kill this thing? 
Mm-hmm. Now he's finally, finally realizing my shit's not working. What do you got? Because, you know, I, you know, I think at that point I respect you enough that you probably do know how to kill this fucking thing. And let's, let's try your way. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't die selfishly. Ultimately, he, he's right. trying to say, well, if you got a better way, let's fucking do it. When he, when they're loading up the boat in this, in that next scene, um, he, he's got all that stuff on the ground and, you know, Quint and his sidekick walk out with, uh, basically a rope and a hook and, you know, uh, they're going through everything that Hooper has brought and it's all lined up on the dock looking all pretty. And he says, what are you, some kind of half-assed astronaut? (laughs) You go in the cage. The cage goes in the water. Sharks in the water. Our shark. Uh, They're loading the boat. and a question, which I like. Mm -hmm. You go in the cage? And he kind of looks at him. Cage goes in the water. He's taunting him. It's pretty fucking good. Apparently, that was the way they were on set as actors. Hmm. Okay. Dreyfus said, nicest guy you ever met in private. If we go back to like a hotel or whatever they stayed, sweetest, kindest. He said, the second you walk out the door to go to set, he said like a demon would overtake him. And Who, Shaw? Robert Shaw just had yeah. to be a fucking prick. He just had to. And he said, it just you'd watch it change. Like, here we go. Oh, man. I think he was a little awesome. bonkers anyway, but... Okay, uh, you go uh, in the cage. Uh, it went to you, Spanish ladies. I wrote that whole thing down. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for sail back to Boston. And so nevermore shall we see you again. Is that when he's driving? He sings this like three times throughout the film and I right. love it. And I had to write it down because again, I couldn't understand what he was saying half the time. So I like paused it every line and um, it even shows up in the score later on. Yes. In the I, have, I remember in a... And that and, one of my favorite shots is when they're pulling out the scene and it's that shot through the shark teeth. Yeah, I was I was, was going to mention that too. It's oh, it's God, so, so good. Beautiful. And when Ellen is uh kind of following Brody out as he's headed to the boat, she says, uh, "What will I tell the kids?" And he says, "Tell them I'm going fishing." Yeah. So yeah, yep, good. Yep. When he brings that back later, remember when she calls out to the boat and he's kind of like, "Oh, we're fishing." He's he doesn't he he. I think Quint is assuming she doesn't know exactly what they're doing. Right. Yeah. She's like, he's scared. She's me. like, she fucking knows. And, uh, and so, uh, in one hour and 12 minutes and we're on the water and we're on the water. And the I want to point time. out that the boat's name is Orca. And around that same time, because it was so hot, they made a movie called Orca. And it was basically a Jaws ripoff where they oh. bought a killer shark, an Orca, and it was called Orca. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Hmm. I've never seen. I've always been curious to. It's kind of the poor man's jaws, but it's called Orca. I watched a really great documentary about killer whales, and now I can't remember what it was called, but it was all about them being kept in captivity and stuff at like um, Blackfish. Sea World Blackfish. Change your life. Incredible documentary. Didn't they get rid of killer whales now because of that? Yeah, they just got rid of them completely. Uh, they struck them from the whole, uh, from civilization. They just said, you know what, we're <laughs> just going to get rid of them. But I mean, the <laughs> world doesn't have them anymore, does it? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I think yeah, they got go to yeah. work. I yeah, know. it is horrible. And a lot of that's horrible. I'm, I'm such a sappy, clean heart. Movie for me. 
<laughs> hey, you, man, we're I just wanna, there. I'm I just, working on it. I just want to tell you how bad I think we treat boats. <laughs> hey. I just can't stop thinking about those boats and the barnacles and they're not scraping them off and the paint's always chipping off and nobody cares about the boats. They ruined a real boat on screen. They blew it up and they, they sink it. And while they're making it, one of them sunk anyway. You screw around with these tanks and they're going to blow up. I like that they said over and over again over the walkie-talkies you heard all day long. The shark is not working. <laughs> the shark <laughs> is not working. And then I'm at gonna, one point they heard, the boat is sinking. Repeat, the boat is sinking. Spielberg <laughs> said, save the cast. I didn't have a chance to watch enough of that making of uh, before we started uh, this podcast. And so I'm going to lean on you for all of these fun facts. Please well, keep them coming. Well, I remember them. And when the boat was sinking, apparently their sound guy was 70 and Dreyfus said, can we save the sound guy? <laughs> it's like poor old dude. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Orca, so, we see that orca is at sea. We go to them chumming. And that's when they have the famous smashing cup scene, which uh, was Spielberg's idea on the spot where he crushes the can. And he says to Dreyfus, you should cut, you should, you should crush your styrofoam cup. It's just a big pissing match. I hate that they use styrofoam. Why couldn't they use a reusable plastic that he could then un... I'm sure. You know, you know. Let's not fuck this up. It's a great scene. We're moving on. Uh, no, a great scene is directly after that when they're sitting there and it's quiet and quint and you hear click, click. I want to preface click. before we get into that saying that they did the foreshadowing of the, the air tanks going clink, clink, clink. And he goes, those will blow up. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was what that I was just important. said. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah, that's great. Now you know. Well, of course you know why. But anyway, go back to what you're saying. You're right. Um, click, so click. Yeah. So I mean, that, that line starts to come out, and it's just so subtle. And Quint just looks down nice and easy. Mm -hmm. He's kind of suspicious. It goes click, click, click. And then he starts Clinking his little vest in and putting the rod out, and he's Locked just in. methodical. It is super cool to watch. <laughs> I wrote, Quint may be crazy, but he's damn good. Oh, yeah, because he knows, shit. knows what he's doing. Well, the other thing you got to remember up until the very end, he's, he's <coughs> not worried, he's not worried. He's done this a million times. I mean, after what finally get him wrapped up with the rope. He says, some, I have it written in there. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but he says, the old taxidermy man's going to have a heart attack when he sees what I brought him. So to him, it's like, this is easy. This is easy. He's anyway, so yes, great. I love that scene. I wrote uh, in the fishing scene. I love Hoopers and Quint fishing because Hooper, and, well, I won't get off on that. No, that is a fantastic scene. And that's when he's having him pour the water on the reel because it's getting hot. And he's telling him to get on the boat and, I mean, get on it, meaning like the engine. And, of course, Hooper the whole time is basically like, your piece of shit boat can't do half this crap you think it can, which is kind of great. Yeah, he's just directing that whole show. He's like, okay, now pour water on this. Okay, get behind me. Okay, this it's turning. Okay, now get over here and grab this. And and it's he's just so in control of such an uncontrollable kind of seemingly uncontrollable situation that – it just says a lot about just how I guess crazy or confident or both that Quint is. And I love it. He's such well, a I good character. I think the main point that I got from it is 
he's never gone after a 25 foot shark, but he's gotten pretty stinking close. So, and he's obviously other than a few, maybe, you know, minor accidents, he's always gotten through it fine. But throughout the course of the second half, it's like when he says it can't pull under three barrels, it just can't. And then it does. So I think he's slowly going, Oh, he's realizing this is bigger and scarier than anything he's ever dealt with, which is great because at the point that he's doing this, it's fine. This is all working the way it's supposed to, you know, you, you fire a couple of barrels in it and it can't submerge. And then you hook the barrels and you tie them to the boat and you just take the boat and you just haul it back to shore. Yeah, which crazy to me that he actually said it will drown in the shallow waters. It's like, you can drown to fish. It doesn't seem <laughs> to make any sense. <laughs> like we just give that bird a lot of air. Yep. But anyway, but that obviously didn't work. I'm getting him. So, and there's a beautiful shot right after that where uh, Quinn's up on the mast. Oh, up in the crow's nest. In the silhouette. Yeah. It's so oh. beautiful. He's just kind of hanging out there. Just kind of looking at everything. And then we have the famous chumming shot of uh, uh, Hooper, which scared the shit out of you. I'm glad because there's no music. They don't play anything at that point. Oh, when Brody's sh- throwing the chum in yeah, there and the shark that, just I, I comes out. Said, Ron, I, yeah, uh, when Brody, yes, yes, it's, yes. God, that's just masterful. And I mean, I think I was familiar with that scene just because that's like the scene in the movie when you right, really you get a time. look at that shark's face. Like you'd seen it here and there. You'd seen it kind of come up out of the water and grab that that one guy. But this is when you got up close and personal. And you just do not see it coming because he's just throwing chum in the water. And he's, I think he leans back to say he's something. He's talking too. He's like, like, like ah, I've got my, I've got. Gets you really off guard because he's in the middle of talking. And so then, yeah, when he stands up and he's like, oh, 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 oh just kind of showers. Cigarettes kind of hanging straight down. He's, you're going to need a bigger boat. And it's just so beautifully shot and lit. And he walks in there and you can tell he's like, what? He's doing a bigger boat. And then he's like, oh, shit. That's when Quint realizes. It's it's happening. He says, that's a 25-footer. Three tons, man. That thing, that's terrifying. And I think that's why this movie works so well is, you know, you're right. It's a monster movie, essentially. I mean, this monster descends on this town and it's, it's, a, it's a killing machine and some, uh, some people got to go take care of it. And at first it's the torch wielding villagers and they're, you know, they're not any good at doing it. And so you got to bring in the experts to go get this monster. Um, But the difference is, is that this is not some monster from a castle or something like that. This is not some ghost. It's, this is a, just a giant shark. It, It really exists. You've seen the pictures in the books from earlier in the movie with people missing huge portions of their body just from shark bites. And that's, it's so effective because it's just so feasible. Yeah. So possible. And it just comes out of nowhere. And the shark looks so good. I got to give it to him. I mean, considering what they had to go through, I think they did an amazing job with this, how much it was breaking down and couldn't get it to work. And I like one of my favorite parts is right then when, uh, Hooper keeps trying to get Brody to go out to the end so he can get that photo for scale. <laughs> and he says, foreground my ass. Because he's like, get in the foreground. I need you for scale. Like, foreground my ass. And I remember watching it going, I wouldn't go out on that damn little rickety ass thing. This shark swimming underneath. But those guys at this point aren't scared. That's what they do. Right. Like, cool. The shark's here. Let's start. And of course, Brody's us. And he's going, fucking what? <laughs> go back and get a bigger boat. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Quentin on the inside, and they're getting a call from the shore, and it's Ellen, and he's like, "It's fine. We just caught some fish, and uh, we'll have him home by dinner. And we haven't seen yeah. him again. It's fine. Click." Yeah, he's like, "We're fine. This is going exactly how it's supposed to." And after that, we go to the infamous drinking scene. Uh, yeah. What do I got here before we get there? Uh, yeah. Uh, shot, they shoot one barrel eye on the barrel. Yeah. And then I brought the score gets really adventurous while they chase that shark and then they lose it and it's nightfall. And so, yeah, they're drinking. Um, here's something I noticed that was really great about this drinking scene. A movie I've seen a ton of times. I just, again, having not seen Jaws, didn't get the reference. Uh, Kevin Smith used this scene and did his own version of it in Chasing Amy. Really? Where they are at a bar. I can just hear him saying, wouldn't it be funny if we did the Jaws drinking scene where they're showing each other scars? But it was sex-related injuries because they're sitting at a bar and it's uh, Joey Lauren Adams and, um, ben Affleck. and Ben Affleck and uh, what's his name? Jason Lee. And Jason Lee right. and Joey Lauren Adams are trading uh, like war stories and like, oh, you think that's good? Okay, look at this. And shows like his teeth knocked out my back teeth. I was going down on a girl in a car and her dad came up and knocked on the window and she bucked me or something. And so they tell a bunch of, they go back and forth at this bar, even to the point of where they're putting, he puts his leg up on the table, just like, Cooper oh, does. Yeah. and he says, you see that? I got that when, uh, you know, I was hanging out of the back of a car and, um, you know, and, and so I just thought it was really amazing because it's, it's practically like, you know, shot for sure, essentially. I think it's so much fun. I think that kind of stuff is uh, fun when you're halfway through it and you go, this is the Indianapolis. Funny thing is I saw that movie. Of course it was like when it came out I have no memory of any of that. Of course I have no memory of that movie at all. (laughs) Other than I think it's a little more controversial by today's standards. Uh, What chasing Amy? Uh-huh. Oh, isn't, isn't yeah. that the one where she's like suddenly thinks she's gay or something? And I think by today's standards, like, who gives a shit? Well, yeah, no, I think the the whole part of that story is is that she's gay, but Ben Affleck falls in love with her and then she's like, maybe she's not, but she is. And so it's kind of this this kind of struggle with uh him not trying to like turn her, but um essentially just can't handle the fact that maybe she wouldn't be into him. And, and, well, and he also better. really, he also really has this thing about this idea that he's, I don't know, this kind of like feeling like he's awesome because he's her first and because he turned her per se. So uh. when he finds out that she's actually been with other dudes before, then it's like, <gasps> you know, how dare you? And she's like, how dare me? How dare you motherfucker? You know, and it's, it's a really great movie. Um, Sav Rogers, uh, tall grass alum. Uh, he's super cool. He's doing a, uh, documentary right now called chasing, chasing Amy about, uh, that being just like a, a movie in the, in the kind of queer zeitgeist that, Got him through a lot of stuff when he was younger. So it's, it's a, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see it coming together. Leela, Leela's involved with it and some other people. Well, I'm glad it's going to be really cool. Either wrong in what I'm thinking about, but I was thinking it was one of the ones that kind of hadn't held up. 
but apparently it has. I don't know. I still love that movie, but I'm I'm sure by today's standards, there's probably some some things, you know, that are probably maybe a little dated in the way that we view things in the world and sure, people sure, sure, and sure. LGBT communities and stuff like that. But anywho, anyway, back to the drinking scene, which is uh, uh I remember they hired a guy to write that scene because they couldn't get it right. And uh, I can't remember his name, but he came back and it was eight pages long. Oof. And I'm pretty sure that Robert Shaw was the one that ultimately edited, edited it down to what he thought was, you know, a good speech. And I know that if you watch it, you know, the way it's cut, it's multiple different takes. And on one of them, he's shit faced, apparently. I mean, not yeah. supposed to be, but he was shit faced. And for the first time ever was embarrassed and I think called Spielberg like the next day and said, how, you know, basically how bad did I embarrass myself? And he said, no, not completely. I mean, it was Spielberg, I think was kind of like pretty bad, you know, dude. So he showed up stone cold sober and fucking nailed it. And they said the cast and crew, when he got through with that take and kind of everybody applauded, that was the first time they realized they actually had a movie. (laughs) It's like, it's an incredible scene. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So, um, this really happened though, right? I mean, this is like a true story. It happened in 1945. It was, I think it was 45. Well, it had to be because it was USS Indianapolis. Did not know it, but they were delivering the bomb to drop on Hiroshima. And it was so secret that I think they dropped it off, heading back. Japan sank two torpedoes in it. And I think they're, you know, by today's standards, obviously, you know, technology is different, but they're pretty off the grid. So oh yeah, it was a few days before that, and I think it was happenstance. I think it was one of our submarine spy planes that saw the oil slick coming off the. Well, you know, the boat sank, and I think it was. I wrote the details, but I think there was. Let me see where I have it. What nine hundred people fell into the water? I think oh, eleven hundred. Eleven hundred men went into the water. Three hundred sixty came out. Sharks took the rest. Five and, days. Uh, so yeah, it really happened. And I've seen interviews with guys that uh, survived it. And it's exactly what he said that, you know, people were, you know, kind of thought they were asleep and or they're bumping up against them. And they realized that half of them were gone. And sometimes because of exhaustion, guys would like kind of float away from the group and phew, sharks would get them. And so they try to stay awake for like three days straight just to, you know, kind of keep their sanity and you know, fight off these sharks. So pretty much everything he's saying is it's based on, I think it's based on, you know, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like accounts like first. Yeah. Accounts witness accounts or, or whatever. Yeah. Witness do you think, records. um, do you think we would have had a better ending to Titanic if they had all been swarmed by sharks? You know, I read about that just recently because I stumbled onto it and I was reading about this and they said that that's factually correct. That the water was so goddamn cold that sharks were even like, fuck this. <laughs> so that's why sharks were not an issue. Apparently it was just cold enough that even waters are like, even the sharks were like in a different part of the ocean. So but <laughs> anyway, yeah, we, we delivered the bomb. Them off. And there would have been a smaller door. Let's don't get started on that. <laughs> So, yes, that scene is absolutely perfect. It speaks volumes of uh, those two bond. Well, the mom, them all bonding with what you just said with all their wounds and stuff. And then he goes in to tell that story. And at the end, he's kind of like, anyway, I just love that. It's kind of like, well, back to that. And then they have that one of my favorite shots where out in that dark water, those two barrels go boop, 
come yeah. up with the light on it. And they're like singing like, that yeah. song. Bruce is back. Yeah. And they're singing their song and then bam, it hits the side of that boat. That is one of the most terrifying things in that. Cause that's when you realize, Oh, that old fucking wooden boat could sink. Yeah. Real easy. If that shark wants to, cause it, it's very plausible. A shark three tons wants to just slam into it. A little wooden side. You don't think it's not going to crack open. And at that moment, they're all shit faced. Clearly. And at one of my other favorite lines is when, uh, uh, Quint says so casually to Hooper, you want to put out that fire, will you? It's like, no big deal. Let's, let's just put out the fire because the boat's on fire. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He ate the lights. Yeah. And then they eat up the, uh, they do the whole scene where they're just fixing the boat and the barrel pops up. Um, I said, oh, that's, that's the scene where I said, I wrote, I still jump when they're gathering the rope. You know, they're trying to pull up the slack. And he goes, give me that rope. And they're talking. I just went, <laughs> I just felt uh, that anxiety. And suddenly it was, it was the same thing again. You're like, yeah, when Bruce pops up. There's a shot of Brody um, and something like flashes behind him in the sky. It's really weird. It's like this There's red two in a streak. row. It's a, I don't know no, if they actually is. got that, but it, it's a, it's a falling star. Really? Or a meteor, yeah. right? Yeah. There's two shots in a row and they both have that thing in it. Because I thought the same thing. I went, what was that? And then I didn't get a chance because Amazon, I love you, Amazon, but you have the worst fast forward and rewinding as you barely tap and it goes like oh. nine hours. Yeah. So I just kept it going. I realized in the wide shot of the Orca, it showed another one. Cool. I'm assuming they got those, but that just happened in the shot because I, I doubt they added that later. The use of those barrels as indicators of where the shark is, is fantastic. Brilliant yeah. because you can just have these little bobbers and you don't have to show the shark and you just right. have this indicator that's like, oh, look, here it is, or it's coming towards us or it's going away or it pulls them oh, under and then you go, oh, this thing's way stronger than we thought it was. Right. And it's so cool. And uh, yeah, when the shark pops out of the water. um, Shit your pants. Holy shit. Holy shit. Uh, I got Quint Quint smashes the radio. (laughs) He goes, excuse me, chief. That's after he does it. He says it so casual. Excuse me, chief. And then he goes, that's great. That's just great. You're certifiable. And that's when it starts to get really good because you're like, okay, Quint is on one mission only is to kill this shark. He's probably going to take everybody fucking down with him. Yep. (laughs) And then I have written down next two barrels. I guess they get another one stuck. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. This is when they, this is the whole thing because this is when they try to uh, tie it to the back of the boat. And that's when he said, taxidivy man's going to have a heart attack when he sees what I brought him. Because he thinks we got it, and you know, at that point, I think for a second, if I remember right, Brody's excited too. Like, oh, this is all we have to do, you know, is just bring this thing in. But then uh, Hooper's the one smart enough to know this boat's not strong enough, and the supports are all breaking off, and it's just like what should have been clearly the end of the movie, or should say end of the story, is only the beginning because your shitty old boat cannot support any of this crap. The engine's gonna burn up. The, the the little metal supports are all breaking off the back and yeah yeah when that rope um comes across and it grabs it like cinches down on hooper on yeah, his body goes, yeah! 
Oh, man. That's just, that freaked me out. Sounds I thought he was going in for sure. Um, I put on here, cut three barrels free. So he has three on him. And then the shark decides to start following them, which is nice and creepy. Yeah. This is where my... Clint pretty much good, blows good. the engine at this point. He's kind of yeah, like... Um, that's just, I'm like, you're good. He says something like you got to back off that engine. So he goes, and just puts it into overdrive. And it's like black smoke bellowing out of that fucking thing. What They're being chased. They're being chased. And uh, so, yeah, I got the three barrels. That, that shark rocks that boat, which just freaks me out because that boat goes like sideways and so then they're oh. dri- when they're driving off and he's really pushing that that engine and it's about to blow quint is just carefree uh, just whistling he is yeah. just whistling a tune just like what is wrong with you sir you're yeah, crazy that's what's brilliant is that he's just like it's fine this is just how it goes everybody let's ch-. he's literally in his element and so when that boat blows and Hooper's down there and it like blows from behind him, like the, the inside of the hull kind of goes boom. Yeah. Uh, that startled the hell out of me. And that was very effective. Oh, there's some really claustrophobic stuff when they have to go into the water in the boat, you know, in the, when the water's in the boat and they have to kind of go up to their ear, just like, even though there's a boat around you and there's a point in the film, I don't know if this is it yet, but there's a little bit that you feel like, um, you feel a little bit like uh, Brody is starting to become at peace with the fact that he's going to die. <laughs> it's like, cause he just kind of knows the boat's going down and I'm not saying he's at peace, but you know what I mean? He seems kind of strangely calm. Like, all right, everything that could be going wrong is now going wrong. This is literally my worst fucking nightmare. So what are we going to do? He's a real badass. It really shows a lot about his character when they make it a point to really build up the fact that he is, I'm just going to probably say terrified of water. He does not like the water. He does not go in the water. He stays in his car on the ferry when the ferry goes across water. And he makes a point earlier on in the movie that uh, I'm not drunk enough to go on a boat and everything. And he really gets into his element on this thing and is able to, to, handle everything without just breaking down i mean he keeps his he keeps his shit together pretty well all things considered considering where this whole thing ends which we'll get to um yeah i would probably at a certain point just accept my fate and and just curl up into a ball and just get eaten by a shark but not brody it's it's a bad bad man He's a bad, bad man. So that leads us to Hooper going into the shark cage. Because this is the point where I was talking about where Quinn's basically like, what kind of stuff do you got to kill this fucking thing? And he pulls it out and he's like, this little pointy thing's going to go in the shark skin. He says, no, but he says, I think I can get it in his mouth. Mm-hmm. It's that whole scene, just to jump forward when he's actually in the cage. It's like he keeps holding that thing like outside the cage. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Yeah, you can I realize he thinks through. he's going to... I think, yeah, I think he thinks he's going to have a better, but it's like, you've seen how big this thing is. Can't you poke through the cage? Yeah, that's why like it's a spear. Said. It's like, no, I'm going to hold both my arms out. And then, ah! then he drops it. And I'm like, that was a really dumb idea. Yeah. But for someone who seems like a pretty brilliant person. but Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think he's also, you know, again, they kind of build, 
this is that moment where I realize, oh, okay, so Hooper's just as crazy, if not crazier than Quint, because Hooper's going to get in the water with that shark and uh, and try and use what he has at his, you know, in his armory to try and bring this thing down. And he's just kind of, okay, here we go. Let's do it. Yeah. And, yeah, I really wish he hadn't held that thing out side of it because I immediately looked at it and said, that's not effective. That is the least effective way to use that thing. We're on both in agreement that that seemed asinine, even though you now realize that Bruce pretty much shredded that fucking cage. So (laughs) chance that he would have never got a shot at this shark anyway. But then the most important thing about this is this is when they finally got to use some of the real footage. They hired the people to go down to Australia and shoot and they made a smaller cage with a jockey inside of it to make the cage look smaller. But the problem is they almost killed him because they made a prop tank that had half as much air in it. And the guy didn't realize that a small man would need as much air as a full grown man <laughs> he was under, under there. And he practically ran out of air so quick because the tank had no freaking air in it. But for some reason, I can't remember why, but he wasn't in the tank when they got that fantastic shot that they use. So they rewrote the script because they were going to have uh, Hooper die and they decided to have a shot of him getting free that way they could use that shot of the shark kind of wrapped up in the cage, which is a fantastic shot. So cool. And they even said when they sent it to him, they go, we got the most beautiful shot you ever got. But, and they're like, but what? They go, what's wrong? And they said, Hooper's not in the cage. And they're like, what? And then he was like, we're using it. We're going to rewrite it because we have to use this footage. So that shark on top of the cage was a real shark? That was a real shark. Yeah. When it's spinning and it's like insane, that was real footage that they shot down in uh, Australia. Poor guy. He was fine. <laughs> just just doing some just doing some calisthenics. Better have gotten some hazard pay for that. <laughs> I'm sure he just got away and went, shit, fuck that. Little did he know he starred in Jaws. The shark goes, uh, or someone goes, uh, yes, Mr. Spielberg, there's a shark on line one. He'd like to speak with you. I'm uncredited in your feature film and I almost hurt my, I hurt my back on your little metal cage. I hurt my back. You, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got bills coming out of my gills. Got bills coming out of my gills and at the very least you could have let me eat the little jockey man. You could just let me have the little jockey man, a little smorgasbord of the little jockey man. I know he's like a little appetizer, but it would have made me feel better. But no, I have to go to the theater and say, that's me. I've gotten more, I guess back then it'd be more phone calls saying, are you in Jaws? <laughs> yes. Yes. My mother was very proud of me. <laughs> I'm not in Jaws. I am Jaws. I am Jaws. I have gotten laid so much off that film. Never mind. <laughs> I guess you've helped me out. See you, Steven. I call him Steve. We're on a first name basis. He says that that's what he prefers to be called, but because of that movie, everybody calls him Steven, but he prefers Steve Spielberg. I I thought he preferred Esteban. That's what I call him. Esteban. Okay. Shark on boat. Shark on boat, man. That's shark just gets his ass up on the back of that boat and says, fuck you. I'm going right in for the center for the, for the, for the gooey center of this boat. Yeah, um, that's about the only time when I said, okay, that's fit. It's rubber. Yeah, 
It's yeah. just kind of when it's mouth, it's just kind of like. Uh, 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 uh. It's but, still a fantastic you know. scene. Oh. When it falls in and they do all the close-ups and the blood flying out of his mouth. Oh, oh poor and Quint. Quint. And the best part about that scene, because it's I think it's such a nice uh, 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 creative uh, uh, decision. There's no music. The whole time he's getting pulled down in there and screaming. No music whatsoever. So when he gets pulled into the water and it just goes under, silence. I'm surprised they didn't go with a jaunty John Williams tune in that moment as he gets, <laughs> you know, everybody else would have done. Gong, 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 gong. Nothing. They had oh. not one, no. Yeah, no. He just got pulled quietly into that water. Oh. Suddenly the water's peaceful again, leaving poor, uh, uh, God dang it, Brody to just be like, okay, now everybody's gone except me. <laughs> the shark's probably going to come back for me. And he does through that fucking window in the side, which is uh-huh. terrifying. Yeah. Back to the claustrophobia of being in that water. And all of a sudden it just goes, bang. And he has the wherewithal to, I forgot that he announced it as much as he did, but he has the wherewithal to put that air tank in his mouth. Mm-hmm. He keeps saying, blow up, blow up. And I went, oh, I don't remember. I was thinking it was always, you know, he just fired. But now he keeps screaming like, blow up, you fucking idiot. Yeah, and that's that's kind of interesting because without that, you would say, oh, he's just trying to shoot the shark and maybe he accidentally hits the the tank in the mouth. But um, by him saying blow up, it seems a lot more premeditated. Like he's like, I'm going to get the tank in his mouth as he's swimming right. towards me. I'm going to hit that tank with the bullet. I don't know which one of those scenarios I like better. Uh, probably him knowing that he can maybe hopefully his last last ditch effort is to blow this shark up because at first it kind of looks like he he hits him with the tank a couple of times and then he just kind of throws it right and you don't know if he's going all right i'm gonna get this thing in his mouth and then he's gonna chomp on it like a little cigar and then he's gonna swim towards me and i'm gonna shoot it it's kind of a little far-fetched it might have been badass it might have been just what you said he might have been like beating this thing and just went oh you know, with the mouth open, he might have yeah. thought that quickly. Like, if I can keep it in his damn mouth, even if he starts to swallow it in one well-placed bullet. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, the other thing that crossed my mind is, is the chomping power of a shark that big. He might have thought, he might just bite down this damn thing and it'll just explode. Yeah, I mean, we already have a precedent set that Hooper says, hey, that's compressed air. It's going to blow us all up, you know. So right. it already set the stage for it. And then you get, you know, I mean, I put, I cannot handle that boat sinking. He is almost in the water. And you get, I'd say, probably one of the most iconic lines in cinematic history. Smile, you son of a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's on that mast that's just barely over the water. Uh, so he's almost ready to go under and he's still firing away. And you're like, how many, how did, does he know how many bullets he has? That always bothers me. It's like, cause you're like, hurry up, hurry. And then I love that suddenly uh, uh, Hooper shows up just kind of quietly. Just, hey, imagine. what's going on? Can you imagine? Which, like being... I said, in the original script, he died in the cage. So, oh, made yeah, it. okay. Very cool. I can't handle him being on the floor of that water, just hiding like that to me is just about as terrifying as it gets. Cause he, instead of trying to swim up and get back to the boat, he goes straight down and he like hides and doesn't know how long his air is and Mm -hmm. if the boat's going to be there or if he can swim back and yeah, no, 
Well, and the other thing is, I know you already know this, but they just assume he's dead. So it's such mm -hmm. a, for uh, Brody, it's just such a sad moment that he's just, when he finally kills it, he's so happy. But at the same time, he's like, okay. Even though you see the shore, but it's still quite a ways away. But that's oh, yeah. see the shore. But when they hop up and grab that thing and start floating and he says that line, I used to hate the water. And he says, I can't imagine why. Classic. And then there's, and then it's just over. And then there's a shockingly small number of credits on this film. And maybe that's just, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a different time. Watching that. Yeah, probably. Uh, there's hardly any. It's crazy. I mean, obviously they don't, they don't really have like credits for all of the people on the beach and, you know, all the extra, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, really you got a small cast, you got a, uh, I mean, I imagine there was a decent sized crew. It seemed like it was a pretty big film that they were making. Right. Um, but I remember sitting there while they're walking or they're swimming or walking down the beach or whatever. And the credits are rolling and I'm just kind of watching this thing. And then it just ends and I go, is that it? I'm used to like 45 minute long credit sequences with S SFX special effects crews from Vancouver and overseas and Italy and, yeah, and the U S yeah. branch. And you know, your Marvel credits that go on for 14 years and then you get a two extra scenes in the movie and all this stuff. And it was just kind of sealed up nice and nice and sweet. They made it out. You know, I just dawned on me. I always thought they said Star Wars was the first one to do this. Well, I guess they did it. Yeah, no, they had some credits at the beginning too. I forget that. Because mm -hmm. Star Wars, I think, was the first movie that didn't have credits at the beginning at all. Oh. You know, it just says Star Wars and then it says the little story and it jumps in. They put it all at the end. That was the first time that ever happened. And I think Luke has gotten in trouble for it from, I don't know, like the Director's Guild or something. Like, you're not allowed to do that. You have to give credit to people and he was like fuck that i want to go straight into my show but they had they had credits at the beginning and the end of jaws of course they did because they showed all the people's names while they're going through the water yep i'm going to point out a couple of things let's uh, do it the crew this thing was going so badly the crew called this film flaws <laughs> that was like great that. and they called it the great white turd the shark was the great white turd. That's how much it was. My favorite thing is Spielberg had nightmares during shooting. And uh, he had his nightmares through every night he said to go back was a nightmare of him drowning. And as he sank to the bottom, the shark would come up to him. And just as he thought when the shark was going to eat him, the shark's eyes would roll back in his eyes or eyes would roll back in his head and he would die and he would float away. And he said, even in his dreams, the shark was not working. Oh, my God. That's there were nightmares. The shark just did not work. Even a real shark that was trying to kill him kept dying and floating off. Uh, he, AFI said he, top. he said he, uh, he had, uh, like, he was so young that whenever he thinks of Jaws, he just thinks of being basically dumb and stupid. Because he was like the fact that they even attempted to make that film and, you know, and what they went through. He was just so young that he was just like, yeah, sure. And looking back on it, he's just like, I had to be just so dumb and naive to think that I could even do this. And well, it was the first time they'd ever shot a film on the water. You know, they always would use like a tank, you know, mm -hmm. and use like miniatures in the background or something. Mm -hmm. And 
he was like, no, we should really go on the water. And they're like, uh, I mean, they were literally like, but we don't, there's a reason we don't do that. And I mean, my God, it looks fucking fantastic. Can you imagine that movie being shot on a tank inside? It'd be, it would be kind of a, probably a giddy romp, laughable thing, but my God, it's fantastic. No, the last two things I was going to say is that American Film Institute's top 100 films of all time ranked 52nd. So it's in the top okay. 100. And apparently they have, they have uh, uh, categories. So they have the AFI top 100 thrillers and it is number two. What Ooh, what's number the, one? What's the number, what would you say oh. is the thriller of all time? Uh, Silence of the Lambs? Psycho. Oh, yeah, I should have said Psycho. That and number three sense. is Exorcist. So, I mean, pretty good company. Thriller, horror film, you know. It's, I kind of feel it's all the same. I don't know if they had a hundred. I'm assuming Thriller probably encompasses horror films, too. I don't so, think. well, that brings us all the way back to, you know, what I brought up. What, you know, Thriller or horror film? What do you think? Where's What category would you place this into? Are they the same thing? I mean, I is think a thriller this, or horror? I think in this one, it's the same thing because first and foremost, I would call it a monster movie. And to me, monster movies are horror films. Mm-hmm. So, but I get that he shot it more like a thriller, but it is, you know, it's, it's definitely a gory monster film. You know, there's plenty of blood and, you know, body parts and exploding people and all that. To me, if it was strictly a thriller, you'd probably never really see a creature and you probably would ne- really never see blood. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It would just be kind of spooky and things, but it's pretty hardcore. They go for it a few times. See the, what I would compare it to most is, and I, it just dawned on me. It literally just dawned on me right this second. What I would compare it to was when I was a kid, I saw Jurassic park in the theaters and that changed everything for me because it was, I was still pretty young. I mean, I think Jurassic Park was early 90s, I think, early to mid 90s. And so um, I saw, oh, it was 93. So I would have been seven. So, I mean, I wasn't watching horror and stuff, but I saw Jurassic Park. And that to me was like scary as shit when the velociraptors are in the kitchen with the kids and the T-Rex is chasing them and the T-Rex is eating people. And I mean, and plus it looked so real the the wizardry that they were able to pull off on that film between animatronics and CGI, early CGI and all that sort of stuff. Jurassic Park was a monster movie, even if it to this day may not be classified that. I mean, it essentially is. It's just a monster movie and the T-Rex and the, and the other dinosaurs are the monsters. And so, yeah, I want to call it a horror film because it's a shark eating a bunch of people and there's plenty of blood and there's limbs and there's all that sort of stuff. Um, I wonder what classifies a thriller versus a horror film. Is it like more real life? Do you think like a thriller is like, I think it may be cat and mouse. Maybe it, maybe it relies more on suspense versus gore and, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, what I mean is he kept talking about, I was making a Hitchcock film. And I think Hitchcock's kind of the king of, well, Psycho was the number one thriller on their list and he made Psycho. So Psycho's not like full of blood and gore by any means, but you could call Psycho a horror film, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, I think it's probably to me, horror would be the genre and thriller could be a, 
in this case, kind of a sub genre. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. by that, by that, um, definition, you know, you, you could almost say Halloween is a thriller because yeah. it's really just, um, cause it, it's someone a monster stalking people. Yeah. And I guess that's a monster movie too. So, right. Who knows? Don't put, we, I, I don't know why I feel the need to put these things into little, neat little boxes. I should just enjoy well, it. No, I think Jaws, I, I would, <laughs> I would, I would in a, be in agreement that Jaws is, it, it, it's, it's a tough one to just go like, oh, it's your favorite horror film of all time. Someone says Jaws. Well, if you probably Google top 25 horror films of all time, Jaws is probably going to be on most of those lists, but I don't think it always is. But you hit it now on the head. I think there's an argument to say it's probably not that much different than Halloween. You know, it's something stalking people and people fighting back. And that's pretty much all it is. Yeah. On IMDb, it has it listed as adventure thriller. Yeah, I could see that for sure. But I think it, I think, I guess what I'm saying is to put it in horror, horror category, I think there's an easy argument for that. It's not like you go, well, I think you hit the nail on the head with uh, Jurassic Park. I don't think of it as a horror film, but when you think about it, it's pretty horrific. <laughs> yeah. But I would think of it as action adventure for sure. But there is when they're stalking and the breaths on the window and all the creepy, it's like, this is just like a horror film. Oh, that yeah. was Jason behind that mask in their kitchen going with those kids. It's a suddenly a horror film, but since it's a velociraptor, it's action adventure. So exactly so exactly. i think it's, you're splitting yeah i think you're splitting hairs if people get too hung up on that well it's a masterpiece that's all we know because at 45 years later it still freaking holds up oh yeah no i mean i was blown away i don't know why i never bothered to watch it uh, like i said older movies and things of that nature there's just sometimes it becomes a bit of a blind spot for me uh, obviously, you know, especially even when we started talking about Black Ooze and everything, our mutual love for 80s horror films and like something really, I, I always describe them as rad, you know, something just kind of practical effects driven and over the top and kind of crazy uh, was kind of the target for just our discussions and things like that. But then once we started talking about July 4th movies and I was like, well, I think maybe I know what you did last summer. And then you said Jaws and I go, Oh shit, that's gotta <laughs> be like the mother of all summertime horror films. Sure. And whether you classify it as a horror film or not, it is horrific and suspenseful and it took my breath away. And then you add in the fact that it's, Spielberg, early Spielberg, but it's Spielberg and John. I think Williams. it also. I think it also in cinematic history was, you know, there's Exorcist and other things, but as far as I mean, it was the first blockbuster ever. I mean, it was considered the first blockbuster. Oh, really? So I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I th- I think they considered it because it was the first time that they released. I don't remember the number, but they released in like 1,500 movies all in the same weekend. Where before that, they would do New York. Los Angeles oh. and they would just like sprinkle it and then get word of mouth. They just said, fuck it. They knew they had a good film and they just hit everything huge. And by word of mouth, it just blew up and there was lines around the block and they just made huge blockbuster money right out of the gate. And the n- next movie to come around to beat it was uh, star Wars. And I think reason I'm rambling all this is I think it was the first big movie to say people want to be entertained and scared to death. 
yeah. which is why the Halloweens and stuff, you know, I think they're more open to it because everybody's probably wanting to have the next Jaws. So I think uh, it's a fantastic film, but the reason it ultimately worked is because it was scary. You do. You brought friends. Well, you, of course, you're going to be looking at them when the head pops out of the, you know, all that stuff. When the shark jumps up during the chumming, of course, you're going to be looking at your friend and go, ah! see the whole crowd. Oh, yeah. I would love to hear like that Halloween 1978. They have like audio. Someone has audio of the crowd reaction oh, during yeah. uh, during that final scene where Michael's in the house and he sits up. And uh, I would love to hear a 1975 audience losing, losing their, their shit. minds when that shark comes out of the water. I mean, it's just it's there was, so effective. On the one of the things I listened to, apparently Spielberg took George Lucas in to watch one of the not a screen actual showing he just walked into a random theater and they stood in the back and he said i want to show you this part i'm pretty proud of it and it was the head popping out you know because spielberg like and he said he was so excited when everybody just lost their shit makes him happy every time but apparently the very first time they did a screening i want to say it was in dallas or somewhere that people were walking out running out because they were scared and Spielberg was worried that he went too far. That, really? Yeah, that it was kind of like, oh shit. You know, maybe this is, you know, this is going to back, there's going to be a backlash that people are just like, oh, I can't do it. Like, this isn't fun. This is just ugh, brutal. But obviously. Yeah, but movies like The Exorcist, and, you know, movies like The Exorcist and stuff made their whole, that was their whole shtick was once people started saying it's the scariest movie ever made and well, I gotta someone go says it. it and then someone at the schoolyard is like yeah i heard about a guy who saw the exorcist and he went crazy and he murdered his whole family and like you know and then all of a sudden everyone's making up their own legends around it and it's well it's it goes back to what you said you first experienced jaws by being told about it and so no, you terrifying. see it in your mind's eye, you see it in your head. And so you like, you can't even imagine. I was scared of water just by my sister telling me the story of Jaws. I hadn't even seen it and it already had affected me. So I felt like I had seen it. Yeah. It's the power of storytelling, but, and which is why, you know, probably arguably the best scene in that whole film is literally Quentin just telling a story. And they hold on him forever. Forever. You don't get reactions. A couple of reactions a little towards the end, but it's just him. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say it. Something like Michael Bay, he'd probably show it. You know, you'd have to go, let's go shoot it and show him as a young man. It's like, or we could just let the, you know, there's nothing scarier than sitting by the fire and somebody just telling the horror story of listen yeah. up, people. And like you said, and it goes, well, I think we should end on this because the perfect ending is that he learned early on when that shark was not working. Well, why don't we just never show it? Because what people imagine is going to terrify them 10 times more than what we ever show. And uh, so you think of two major things. Quint's story about the USS Indianapolis and the film as a whole was a lot of it was in your brain. They left it up to the audience. Just go, ooh. Yeah. That's exciting. Oh, it's so good. Then every once in a while, he'd say, here's a severed head. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't a lot of that. I mean, that film was, there was not a lot of that. 
Yeah, there was like an arm here, leg there, severed head. Yeah, that severed head I should have seen coming, but I didn't. I mean, there's a perfect hole in that hole right there, and you're just not expecting it, and it just happened. And even if you did, it still scares the shit out of you because you're yeah. It's like uh 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 uh. Why is he underwater? That whole scene's like, why is he underwater? He shouldn't be underwater. She he mm-hmm. shouldn't be underwater. And you know the shark or something's gonna show up, but. Well, and I think so much of the film is just more about, like you said, the suspense. And I think that's what I found to be so, it is so easy to get a jump scare. It is so, I mean, I shouldn't say so easy, but it's easier, I feel, to get a jump scare and to use the natural reaction that is in all of our bodies to make us go, (gasps) and, but it's fleeting. It's over right after that. It's done. But when you see off in the distance, a kid is on a raft and you see a, two giant fins and they're right there and then they go underwater and you lose them and you just go, you're, you stop breathing for a second because you go, oh, fuck, where is it? What happened? Where did it go? Where did it go? What's going to happen? And I mean, when, when done by masters of cinema, suspense, which I feel is just so missing in a lot of things these days, good old more. fashioned suspense is... Ugh. It is. I mean, like I get goosebumps just thinking about it. It's. No, I'm. I'm 100 with you. I think that most people anymore don't know how to do it. They just put a jump scare. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, yay! And a lot of loud noise or a boom, and everybody jumps, and it's just like, okay, but it doesn't hold up. The second time, you don't give a shit. But you know, when you have mm-hmm. a great film like Jaws, it just it never stops being a great film. I mean, just the story, the acting, how it's shot, everything about it, it's still a cinematic masterpiece. There's a couple of jump scares, but even if you know, know them, then you can still enjoy the movie over and over again. Mm-hmm. I would say the only thing you hit the nail on the head on is because, you know, by today's standards, you, a couple of shots, you go, oh, it's a rubber shark, but you don't care. It's no. still, it's still creepy as hell. And that's, that is a compliment to Spielberg and everybody involved that it, it's still 45 years later holds up where so many movies back then you'd go, yeah, oh my God, people thought that was crazy. It's a guy in a suit, so dumb. If you'd seen that shark a lot more earlier on and the veil had been lifted, then it would have affected the rest of the film. But by doing, by it just not working and them having to figure out a creative way to just let our minds do the talking and show the shark in minimal amounts and when you had to it made it so effective that by the end of it i didn't care i was into it i was into it you they had me i i bought the ticket so even when that shark comes up and i go well okay maybe it does look a little not real i also have never seen a shark of that size (laughs) face to face on the back of a boat. So even at that point, I can't really make the case that, well, I know what it's supposed to look like. I just know that at that point I didn't care. I was worried about Quint and I was worried about Brody and Hooper and, and all these characters that have come to love because they built such great characters as well. So bravo, man. I want to thank you so much for, for bringing this up and for putting it out there because this was a perfect opportunity to watch the film. I didn't take notes the first time I watched it because I wanted to just really enjoy it. And it was a sure. super enjoyable night. I watched it with my dear wife, Cassandra, and she loved it too. And uh, so, yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing this up and bringing it up for Good. episode two. Cause five fucking tombstones, five fucking tombstones. That's the highest I'd give it. one to five. Well, I think we should end on that. Hey man. Uh, uh, 
This we'll is, talk next time. I'm ben, excited to see what next movie would come up, but uh, it's going to be hard to have too many films beat Jaws, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure we can come up with something entertaining. Well, that, thanks everybody for listening. We are Black Goose Presents. Yeah, the I'm going to... And... Uh, yeah, make sure uh, make sure I'm gonna do my my spiel here. And uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate and review us. That really helps us get noticed. And um, tell your friends to listen to the podcast and let us know what you like or maybe what you want us to do in the future. We'll probably not take your advice, but hey, we just might. <laughs> we might just go. Oh my god, we forgot about that. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Thank you. And thank you, Wade. Always great talking you, to you. Thank you, Ryan. Bye. Bye.